0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, a couple of big basketball games to look forward to last night, and then one of them didn't happen. I don't know, big basketball games, interesting basketball games. I was looking forward to BYU in San Diego. I mean, I know it's San Diego and I know they're no good, but the way BYU's been struggling, I was really, really interested to see how they're going to handle this game. You think they ought to go in there and win comfortably and dominate, but that's not what they'd been doing. And then the game got called off, so we don't know how it would have played out. Who the heck knows? I don't know. In the words of Bill Belichick, on to Portland! (laughs) Portland, Thursday night, 5 o'clock. That game will be on KJAS, assuming it's played. So that left us with the Utah Jazz to focus on, and the Jazz play in Detroit, and, you know, were they going to come out after uh, the loss in Denver? Really focused, and are they going to come out kind of in some kind of fog? How was that going to work? And it turned out they had a great start. Thought they had a lot of energy, played some defense, got some stops. It helps that the Pistons don't shoot the ball real well. Certainly didn't shoot it well uh, early in that game, um, but it wasn't just them missing open shots. There were some good rotations and steals. There was one play early in the game, particularly I remember, where Gobert went to help and Royce O'Neal who was defending. Uh, in the corner, slid inside of, uh, just knifed inside of, I can't remember who Gobert, probably it was Plumley. I guess, I'm not sure. Um, but Gobert's man, whoever it was, it was somebody going to the rim, and he just knifed right in there and just stole it. They never saw him coming. Great rotation. And they got a break going the other way. And they made threes, and Donovan was hot early, and Mike Conley was hot early, and it was great. They were up by 11 after a quarter. Really felt like it could have been more, too. And they are up by 23 at the half. Felt like it could have been more. But how do you complain about a 23-point halftime lead? You know, you're on the way to winning by 46 theoretically as quinn snyder pointed out yeah it looks like you're going to do it but that's never how it works in the nba you know the other team's going to make a run and man the energy was different after halftime man the, the pistons were clearly pissed blake griffin had torn his jersey off like he was the incredible hulk or something <laughs> oh it's cla- it led to a classic exchange if you're watching on tv i don't know what Locke said about it i don't know if he saw it um but bowler and uh, <laughs> Buller and Thurl are talking about it, and Buller's like, yeah, they travel with extra jerseys, so he's good. Thurl's like, yeah, but back in the day, you had to wear a T-shirt with your name written on it. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that, but that's just a hilarious thought. I hope there's video of someone out there that someone can post on social media, some player in the 80s or, I don't know, maybe something Thurl saw when he was a kid or heard about in the 70s, whatever. I want to see that. That'd be great if Blake had just been out there with his stuff written on. But whatever, it just kind of symbolic of the energy Detroit came out and played with, and you knew that they should make a run. That's the way it, you you shouldn't just roll over. You got to have some pride. You got to make a run. The other team inevitably is going to lose the edge, and so it got down to twenty. It got down to fifteen. I didn't think much about it when it dipped under fifteen. I was like, you know, they're probably fine because the Jazz are way better. But it went to ten. It kept getting man at ten. They had my attention. Single digits. It got down to, got down to four. And Detroit had the ball. They're in the final two or three minutes, and they had the ball, and they had a three to cut it to a one point game. I think it was like a minute and a half left or something like that. And they missed, and the Jazz went down, and uh, it was a two on two. And uh, Conley found Bogdanovich, and he hit a three, and they got another stop, and and Bogey hit another three, and that was it. The lead went back to ten, and. The Jazz won. And so, uh, but that leads to a wide range of emotion. You can just see, you know, everything on Twitter from uh, they won, no one will care in May to uh, my heart stopped, I thought they were going to blow it. What is wrong with this team? So that's all out there. And I think, um, you know, with what's ultimately a 12 point win, and ultimately the comment, no one's going to remember in May, that's true. I mean, that's the bottom line. You either win or you lose. And at the end, you look at the record and you remember a handful of really good wins, and you remember a handful of losses. We should have won that game. We should have won this game, you know, that overtime game. But, man, you really remember more than half a dozen games. I mean, don't they all run together after a while? Um, So it is a win. And I think then when you look more at – This game versus the Denver game. You know, I don't think you should be any more despondent about a 28 point lead going down to four and then back up to 12 than you are thrilled about a 28 point lead, a deficit in Denver getting cut to an eight point deficit and then ultimately going back to 11. Uh, You know, did you feel that good about the run the Jazz made? A run they should have made in Denver? Why would you feel better about one and worse about the other? They're pretty much the same thing. You know, I, I think if anything, the kind of silver lining to this is that the Jazz, after the loss in Denver, I thought they had an edge. I thought it was because of that. I didn't know if they'd want to say it was because of that. I asked Donovan that, and you'll hear it in the post game coming up. He's like, yeah, it was because of Denver. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, reestablish yourself. Play well. You didn't play well. Um, and I think because they kind of, you know, <laughs> it's, there's nothing wrong with giving up the run. But the run was too big. I mean, if you're being honest, that run was too big. And I know we love the Jazz. We don't want to say anything about them. If 28 gets cut to 15, nobody even talks about it. That's normal. Now, when it gets cut to 10, down to five, down to 4, and they got the ball to get to 1, that's too much. You can't let them get that close. You never want to let a team get close enough where they can get lucky and beat you, where they can, you know, bank into three, get a bad call, get a bad no call. <clears throat> you got to be able to weather that kind of stuff, the lucky hoop, the ball that hops on the rim twice and goes in. You know, you got to be able to weather that, and so okay, make sure you have an eight or ten point lead, and then you weather it. So the Jazz, you know, they, they they played with fire, but they got the win. But I suspect that helps them keep the edge. Um, you know, you need to find anything you can in the long grind of a season to motivate you. That's why Jordan made stuff up about opposing players. So if you find something to sing in half, like oh, we got to be better, we got to, you know, just anything to focus on to get yourself focused going into that game in Atlanta, And you are scheduled to play three games in four days. It's COVID year. Who knows if you will? But that's what the schedule now is. It's a real quick trip to Atlanta, Charlotte, and Indiana. And we'll see when we get there if they can play all those games. But this is something to hang their hat on. And they got the win. All right, DJ and PK, more basketball coming up. We're going to talk with Steve Cleveland next. Stay with us.
1: Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $25 per room. Minimums apply. Search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning online to schedule your appointment or call them at 801 288 9376. DJ PK and Matt Harpering joining us now. You see him on the Jazz TV broadcast. Matt, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, question of the morning. The Jazz, a really good team, or a legit championship contender. And if they are a championship contender, how many? well, regardless of whether you think they are or not, how many championship contenders are there? How long is the list? What do you think?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, in my opinion, um, I think the Jazz are contenders. Um, I don't think there's a lot on that list. Um, But what reason, I'm going to throw this back to you, is there a reason why you wouldn't? Based on the the information that we have so far in the first what was the 21 games, I mean they beat a lot of good teams. Yeah, they've had some tough losses, but the way they play, uh, with the three point shot and the shooting they can have, as well as the defense, uh, pretty good and pretty good information and data to say that yeah they, they can beat anyone in this league. In my opinion, um, by doing those those two things right there. I mean when you're top five offense and top five defense, you're going to give yourself a chance.
3: I guess since you throw it out there, and I agree with you, but since you asked the question, I have to answer it, that the league is based on some superstars, and the superstars are the ones that usually win the title. And, you know, Mitchell, I believe, is an emerging superstar, but at the same time, he doesn't fit the prototype, meaning he's a little on the short side. If he's 6'6", 6'7", a la LeBron and Kawhi Leonard or whoever else you want to put in there, Kevin Durant, I guess you could put him in that category also, that if your leader is that small, then it's hard to do. That would be one of my responses. Yeah, I don't know if I believe wholeheartedly in that.
2: You know, I go back with the data and the numbers. I mean, Domin's putting up great numbers, right? Now, the one thing I'll give you, it's unproven, because they have not proven it in a – you know, let's say a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals where, you know, let's face it, that's where superstars are made. Um, You know, what else does Donovan need to do, uh, really, to to prove it? He's only 24. I mean, he's a young player. He's getting better. Um, Gobert is a superstar in his own right on the defensive end. Um, But a lot of times, you know, a depth of a team, the way they play – uh, I, I think changes how you view Utah, right? And, and you, know, you say, well, they don't have a, a Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, but, you know, collectively they're they're pretty good. And so when you say, you know, heading into the playoffs, would you rather nine deep or would you rather two deep uh, with some, some role players? Um, that's going to be interesting this year. Because you're right, I, I would say in a game, especially in the late playoff game in the last two minutes, um, that superstar is a superstar because he can make plays. He can he can make shots, and you're going to have to have that for sure. But I think Donovan's proven that over time. But if you put him in the right situation, he's pretty darn good too.
0: I guess when uh, when I hear people say the Jazz aren't a championship contender, I think they probably fall into a few groups. Um, I think uh, I, I think they are. I think there's uh, clearly three to five teams that you could label championship contenders. But I think if people exclude the Jazz from their group, then there's a couple groups they fall into. One, uh, they don't watch much Jazz basketball. They live on the other side of the country. and like, of course not those guys. Uh, I think there's another group that says, it's the Lakers. Everybody else else is kidding themselves. The Lakers are going to do this. I think there's a group of people that believe that. Uh, they think the Lakers are going back-to-back, and that's it. I think there's another group of people that says, well, the Lakers are clearly the favorite, but if they, they have two guys to count on, and if they have an injury to either one of them, then the pool of potential champions widens to include the Clippers and whoever comes out of the East. We've seen that if you come out of the East and the whoever the best team is in the West has an injury, then you're set up. Certainly LeBron's capitalized on that, um, and so did Kawhi Leonard when he was in Toronto. Uh but they don't widen it to include the, the jazz or the nuggets. Uh, I think the other thing the jazz have going against them is they don't have a lot of playoff experience. Teams that win it have usually uh, gone along a path like the Nuggets, where, okay, they're in the second round, they lose in a game seven. The next year they're in a conference final. okay, they're, they're kind of building up to it. There, there's not a lot of deep playoff experience on this jazz team, and I think that's another probably another group would dismiss the jazz for that.
2: Well, agreed. I mean, the experience is, is definitely an issue. Um, but I, I would argue that, you know, if, if an injury happened to the Jazz, if Gobert goes down, uh, that diminishes their contending um, influences right away, right? I mean, it, that's every team. I, I think if an injury happens to any of the top ten teams, uh, that dramatically affects whether they're going to be able to produce, you know, late in, in the playoffs. Um, I don't think the Jazz are immune to that by any means, even though they're, they're deep. Um but on the other side, you know, if you if you look at, you know, LeBron and AD and the Lakers, yeah, they are favorites. They're a really good team. Uh, they won it last year. So why would you not put them on the top? You're supposed to. Um, and uh, do they have a better team than the Jazz? I don't know. They haven't played yet. But I, I think they, they definitely have not. Um, matchups become the issue in the playoffs, right? And, and how do the teams match up with each other? And you're going to see that throughout, I think, as we always have seen in the playoffs, where... You know, Lakers might have a better team, but there might be a matchup issue that they just don't play well against. And, you know, you you never know what happens through, you know, one through eight in the seeding. And, you know, to me, the the playoffs becomes who do the Jazz match up best against uh, rather than who is the better team overall. Mm -hmm.
3: I think collectively speaking, the NBA has the best set of athletes of any of the sports in the world. And with these 6'6 six, six guys who can run, jump, and do all these incredible things. But my thought for you, the way the game is now, as far as the premium on shooting, particularly from behind the line, how much do you value that raw, pure athleticism versus the ability to shoot the jazz may not have that raw athletic ability one through eight or nine but they've got set six seven eight guys who can shoot
2: and they also have a brilliant coach right so you have a great coach that puts their players in, in positions to succeed and play to their advantage uh, that certainly helps um, yeah athleticism is great but you got to have both You I know, mean, I've seen a lot of athletes come and go that couldn't shoot and they're in and out of the NBA within a year uh, or two years, um, athleticism will, will, will certainly put you on the map, but it won't. It's not. It won't sustain you in the NBA. You got to have a skill set, and you know shooting right now, it is tough. If you can't shoot that three, I mean, you know, look at Zion. Zion's a, one of the best athletes we've seen in a, in a generation, and I think he's made one three, and that was against the Jazz. Or, you know, maybe a couple, but. I mean, he's going to have to develop that if he's going to become the star that everyone thinks he's going to become. Athleticism, athleticism gets you to the table, uh, but then you got to produce. I mean, LeBron James right now, what's remarkable about him, he's becoming a better shooter. Um, and his athleticism is still really good, not to where it was 10 years ago, but his shooting has gotten a lot better. So he's he's kind of transitioned more to a better standstill shooter, a better uh, three-point shooter. He's kind of transitioned his game to where, uh, where it was. Prior, You know, we saw that with Jason Kidd later in his career. Uh, eventually, these five men, you know, and Gobert's going to be different, and that's the, the rebuke I always get. Well, what about Gobert? He's not going to be able to shoot threes. No, but there's only a one Gobert out there. Hey, he's, he's the best defensive center in the NBA. Um, if he wasn't, there would be an issue there, And because that's the way teams are going. You look at Joel Embiid with the Sixers. He, he's a three-point shooter. Now, the, the argument there is would you rather him take a three or would you rather him post up if you're the opposing team? Um, because he is so gifted down low on the box. Uh, Jokic, the Jazz just saw him the other night. I mean, what a phenomenal example of where the NBA is going and what players they're looking for. Um, you know, tall kids, six seven and higher, six six and higher, that can shoot and spread the court, that um, have a skill set. You know, you're going to be looked at many, many times if you got it.
0: Matt Harper join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We were talking about Royce O'Neal. Uh, he's shooting 40, almost 47% from three. It, it really is remarkable. He's also only taken five shots a game and only four three-pointers. Now, there is that whole thing of diminishing returns. Maybe he's shooting 47% because he's being really selective. But his role has been expanding here for years. Do you see a bigger role for him going forward? Is this a guy who should be looking at taking six or eight threes a game the way Bogey Mitchell and Clarkson and Conley do?
2: Uh, In my opinion, uh, I think it's within the offense. I I don't think he's going to be a guy like Bogey where he's going to create a shot, you're going to give him the ball, and he's going to handle the pick and roll. I think scouting reports say, you know, who, if anyone, if we had to leave someone open, who is it going to be? And I think they kind of choose Royce more than not, and he gets the benefit of getting some open shots. On the other side of that, he's becoming a a tremendous three-point shooter, and that's his role. And if he keeps doing that, I mean, he's going to get – a lot more accolades as he goes along here. But the shots will come because it becomes, you know, four to five and then becomes six to seven. I don't think you're all of a sudden going to want Royce O'Neal taking 13 shots um, because then I think it, it's it's that's not within what the Jazz are trying to do. So I think within his role right now, Whereas defensively he's going to go oh, try to stop the best offensive player on the opposing team and then, you know, offensively, He's going to knock down the catch and shoot, and you know we've seen time and time again where he's a good decision maker. And I've seen him this year with handling the basketball and, and not just not spotting up the shooting, but able to take it off the dribble a little bit and get into the paint and then making the pass out. So I think there is an evolution there. Um, he's gotten better. I think the Jazz found it just a tremendous piece to this team, a huge piece going forward. Um, but I, I guess the answer to your question, I don't think you go from five or six shots all of a sudden saying, well, if I take sixteen shots a game, I'm going to average this because. There's a comfortability factor, too, as players kind of know their role. Like, I knew what I was going to do when I went into a game. If I started taking, you know, 20 shots a game, it just becomes not what I'm used to. And you're just not as comfortable in that role, if that makes sense.
3: So when you look at this team, I think everyone will agree they're better than they were last year. And it's interesting because it's basically the same guys. I mean, yeah, Favors is the one new addition, but obviously he was with the franchise for many, many years. So as I try to boil it down, and there's various, there's several reasons as there usually are. But to me, the most important difference I see is the comfortability factor of Mike Conley that he didn't have this year that he got as, or didn't have last year, I should say, but he got better at it as the season went on. And then this year, picking up where he left off in terms of playing and not thinking about it, just going out and doing what he can do and fitting in so he's not really worried about where I fit. I know where I fit. So if I look at it and boil it down to one single difference, I believe it's the play of Mike Conley. Could you respond to that?
2: Yeah, so I I agree with you And I I think there's a part two to that. Um, I I think Conley for sure. And I think we saw it in the bubble last year where he's just started getting more comfortable. And I think he started accepting responsibility, started understanding the team and his role. And um, I I think you're seeing that this year. We mentioned on the broadcast in the Denver game, you know, I I feel like if you're going to start talking about all-stars, you've got to throw Conley into the mix, I, he certainly played like it this year. At the time, the Jazz had the best record in the NBA, and if they continue to be up there, or happen to have the best time, the best record, then you, you know, my argument argument would be there should be three Jazzmen. Um, part two, what I would say would be Bogey. You know, Bogey was not in the bubble last year, so I think there's an addition to that, and the Jazz are one shot away from beating Denver in the seven game series. So, in my opinion, there, I think if Jazz have Bogey in the playoffs in the bubble. I think you have a different outcome, uh, and then who knows what happens going on through the playoffs. But I think you're almost getting, you know, in a sense, a, a free agent back and, and, and bogey this year and add a weapon that they did not have in the bubble. So I think with the renewed Conley um, and then bogey back, they kind of do have a different team in a way, but yet the same.
0: Matt Harpin join us here on ninety-seven-five at twelve eighty, the zone. So, for all the things that have gone right, and a lot of things have gone right this year, uh, you're never playing perfect basketball. What What do you think they need to improve?
2: You know, I, I think they just need to keep kind of avoiding the the. I hate to say this because I'm part of it. The media, I mean, just <laughs> just kind of put it on the back burner and and, and 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 let it be noise because as they as they get higher in the ranks here, you're going to get a lot of naysayers. You're going to get a lot more people talking about you. And, um, and I think that could be obviously poison to a team if you let it get into the locker room. And I think they need to just avoid it. I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. You know, they they had a tough loss against Denver or Denver, uh, Denver played really well. You know, that's going to happen through a long season. Um, I, the jazz are playing really good basketball right now. In fact, they're, they're playing a level of basketball. That's, You know, a fun to watch. I think it is sustainable uh, because they have such great shooting, and they're playing unselfish. Uh, Defensively, they can be a really good defensive team against Denver. I thought, you know, it got exposed a little bit just because uh, they shot the ball so well. But it also, I think, they learned that if you come out in the first half and you don't play, um, you know, with the the thought of hey, I'm not going to let anything be wide open, Uh, I'm going to play with a little bit of an edge. I'm I'm not going to have short closeouts. Um, And I think you saw that in the second half where, you know, everything's still a learning curve. So you you learn from the game and say, we got to play 48 minutes, you know, and, and, but as far as who they are and what they're going to do, I I think they just keep doing what they're doing. I I think they get better at their sets. They they get better at their recognition. Their reads are, are really good this year and they tune out the outside.
3: Okay, with that tuning out on the outside stuff, you were there for many, many years, so you could speak to it as far as motivational ploys, because a couple of weeks ago, led by Shaq, the TNT guys basically say, you're not good enough, so how much do you let that use it to be used to your advantage, or is that crap just noise and still block it all out?
2: Yeah, I would go with the noise factor. You know, I I did not appreciate that uh, coming from TNT, coming from Shaq. I I thought it was ill-advised. You know, I I just thought, you know, what was Shaq, 28, 29 when he first won a championship and he's getting on Donovan at 24, um, plus coming off a game where he had 36. uh, You know, it was just, I thought it was a low blow a little bit. a A little bit. And, you know, I think Donovan handled it perfectly. Uh, you know, and in, in the Jazz got to be proud of of the character of this team. You know, from since that has happened, you're not hearing uh, anything out of social or anything really uh, in in bad terms on the Jazz side of things. So I think they're handling it. I think uh, they have a great locker room. I think they have some good leaderships in that in, in that locker room. And you know, again, noise is going to be noise. And and I I agree. Is is when you get people talking about you and you have the best record in the nba and people look at you a little bit differently than a four or five seed and they say well can the jazz handle this they're going to pick you apart a little bit more they're going to critique you and the national media will and that's what i mean by noise you you just gotta because it's going to come down to if you're in the locker room they're going to eventually get to you and they're going to pick apart your game and what you can't let happen is force you to get outside of your game you you're good on a team because of your role and if you started getting out of that role, if Gobert starts taking, you know, five 15-foot shots a game because people are saying he can't shoot, that's going to affect the Jazz in a negative way. Uh, people just got to keep trusting uh, Coach Snyder, the system, and playing. And, you know, the wins are starting to rack up here. And that's an, in the end, that's what speaks for itself.
0: You know, the talent on the court doesn't change, with a few exceptions, with positive tests. But everything around the game has changed, right? The fans, the travel, they can't leave their room. We had Joe Ingles on, and I asked him, can you even on the road go and get shots up? If you just need half an hour in a gym, how much flexibility is there? And he's like, there are so many rules. You probably could, but it would be—it would take a lot of effort. And so I'm just wondering yeah. if you're viewing this season like every other season because they're still the best basketball players in the world on the court, or if all this other stuff, this is really a weird one-off and we shouldn't compare it to anything else that NBA players have gone through in any other season, and it could produce a different result.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have never been in a situation like this. Where I've never played without fans. I know that just in that is, is tough. Um, but on the other side, you know, everyone's in it. There's not a team that's not affected by it. So, you know, I go back to Jerry Sloan and <laughs> and kind of how he coached and, Listen. Everyone's involved in the same thing, so let's not make excuses on on why we didn't shoot well or why this is not great. It is what it is. It's the pandemic. Uh, we understand, and it's not great on anyone. I mean, this has affected every single one of us in a in a in a bad way. Uh, so you try to make good of a bad situation, and I think um, for right now, having basketball the way it is, it's, it's not perfect, but at least you're seeing a product, and at least you know the Jazz are out there playing. Um, That's always a good thing.
0: Matt, as always, great to have you on, and we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go.
1: Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the best of the jazz postgame show as they build an enormous halftime lead squander most of it, and then make sure they win in the final 90 seconds. That's how it worked. Jazz win 117-105, and here's
4: Jake to wrap it up. George Jazz recap here on DJ and PK, 97-5 and 12 the zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz beat the Detroit Pistons last night here at Vivint Arena, 117-105. It's a game where the Jazz led by as many as 28 points, but then got as close as four points in the fourth quarter before Boyan Bogdanovich hit a couple of threes to ice it, and the Jazz go on to win by 12. Donovan Mitchell led the way with 32 points tonight. Uh, Mike Conley had 20, last night, excuse me, on 10 of 17 shooting. Uh, Mike Conley had 20 points. Boyan Bogdanovich had 18. Royce O'Neal with a double-double, 12 points and 13 rebounds. This is the first game this year. Rudy hasn't led the team in rebounding. Jordan Clarkson had 12 points uh, coming in off the bench. Detroit was definitely better in the second half. Jeremy Grant got going. He finished the game with 27. uh, But the Jazz hold off the Pistons to get the victory. Let's get some post game sound for you. Let's start with Jazz head coach, Quinn Snyder.
5: We're going to start with Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV.
6: Coach, Detroit came out much more aggressive there in that second half. What do you take away from how you guys were tested tonight and the way you responded? They're, you know, I said it before the game. They're a good team. You know, they've played – You know, the most difficult schedule in the league, I think, or or right there. And they've had a lot of close games. And, you know, we've we really came out strong, you know, in in the first quarter, especially in in, in the first half. And when you do build a lead like that, uh, the other team you know, it gets a little looser. They shoot the ball a little freer. And that's when you have to really continue to execute and continue to put your foot on the gas. And I thought the way that we finished the game, um, you know, we really, we got going again. We got running again. And it's a little counterintuitive when the game gets tight. Sometimes you want to, you know, try to manage the game. And
7: we need to continue to, you know, to try to run and play.
5: Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
7: Yeah, Quinn, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about. It seemed like the game kind of started going against you when the offense got a little stagnant and and the transition and the fast break opportunities uh, dried up. What did you say to the team to kind of let them know that that was, you know, what you needed them to do to, to get going again? Yeah, you
6: know, I. you know, I think they knew. I think we all knew. Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes when you build a big lead like that, the the whole kind of narrative becomes like what happened because you didn't win by 30. And, you know, these are NBA teams. They're good teams. There's going to be runs, you know, and I think the big thing for us is to, you know, to make that hard. You know, like I said, when you, when you get ahead, you know, the other team, you know, they just put their head down and start attacking you. Um, So I I think we started actually rebounding better in the second half. That's really um, what hurt us in the first half. Um, But. You know, like I said, that uh, we we got stops late, which I think is the big thing. You know, where we, you know, really focused and, and raised our level defensively, and then we were able to get some some good looks. You know, Boyon got a couple, but we we had a we had a number of really good good looks. You know, in the fourth quarter that didn't go in. You know, that would have stretched the game further. And, and when those shots don't go in, you just have to keep keep working. And, and really, that's when your defense becomes even more important, especially late
5: in the game. Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Quinn, you talked
8: a couple of games ago about the value of learning how to play with the lead. Is there value in games like this too, where that lead does go away? You haven't had one slip from 28 to four like this yet.
6: Well, you know, it got back up to whatever the final was. So that that's, there's going to be runs. And I think the answer is yes. Um, but as I said, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, the expectation is that, you know, you're up, you know, a lot and you win by a lot. And that's just, you know, if you, as you guys do, you, you follow NBA games. It's sometimes being up 20s is, is hard. And there's a lot of NBA games when teams are up early and they lose the game. So um, I thought, you know, in spite of the fact that they came back, um, like I said, they're a good team. They started making shots. Grant got going. Um, you know, J- Jackson had a really good game you know, you know, making jumpers. So I, I think the thing that we have to understand is, you know, our offense can't hurt our defense. And I, I thought they got out in transition um, too much during that stretch. And we had some empty possessions and that's what you have to guard against. And I, I think for us, you know, when you get ahead, there's just a tendency to to slow down a little bit. And, and we have to keep pushing the ball because that's who we
5: are. All right. Last question, Sarah Todd, Desert News
9: when you've talked before about the importance of accuracy when passing and you had a a lot of really impressive passes tonight from a lot of different guys. How valuable is it that you don't have to just rely on Donovan or Mike to be the facilitators on this team. You got a lot of other guys that can make their targets.
6: Yeah, it's in, it's important, you know. And I think you know, Donovan and Mike also with their ability to create. Um, you know, we a lot of times I don't, I don't want us to overpass. You know, I think there's times when, um, as you said, if we make an accurate pass, you know, we'll get a shot. And that's you know that 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 accuracy of the pass and throwing strikes, as we like to call it, um, is really really important for our team because if you have an open shot, we want to shoot against
4: those closeouts and the pass allows us to do that there's jazz coach quinn snyder after his team wins 117 to 105 let's let you hear from some of the players let's start with boyan bogdanovich
5: all right we'll get started with eric walden salt lake tribune
7: hey boyan so obviously uh the game got a little bit closer than you guys probably expected at the end there um how did you feel on those last two three pointers that you took did they feel good immediately to you did did you think they were going in right away
10: uh, yeah, I saw that. Mean actually, even the, even the last one that I that I missed. I mean, we we stopped to run last last 15 minutes of the game, and uh, then we gave gave them a lot of a lot of easy easy offensive boards and, uh, and a putback. But overall, I think that it's good performance from uh, from our side and and also important win after after that one uh, that the lost in in Denver.
5: Tony Jones, The Athletic.
3: Boy, well, yeah, I'm big picture for you guys. You, um,
11: you guys have a really, you know, competitive schedule in February. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, just seeing so many really good teams uh, over the span of this month, and and how do you guys approach it as a team?
10: I think that is that is good for us to face all those great teams now in in, in February because we are in a, we are in great shape we are playing good basketball we are defending well so I think that is right time for us to to play to play all of them. It's tough schedule we got a lot of a lot of great teams from the, from east coming here and and, and we got a, this road trip in front of us but like I said we are in great shape and it it's good timing for us to, to play all of them.
5: Sarah Todd
9: does right news. Boyan, in the second quarter, there was a play where you passed the ball to Donovan like right underneath the basket, and it was a really tight pass. And it kind of looked like both of you were a little surprised that you actually got the pass off and that it worked out. Do you know the play that I'm talking about and kind of what was going on there?
10: Uh, I forget what was the was the play actually, but uh, but. It, overall we shared a pretty pretty well basketball in the, in the first half in the second half we kind of start to play more more one-on-one we start to isolate some some people and, and and then try to attack them but uh that's how they get back in the game so i think that that we should we should play we should play fast and and, and, and run especially when they play with two bigs but i forget was the player actually so <laughs>
5: David James, KUTV.
0: Bojan, well, yeah, you've been shooting the ball really well here the last three games. You had your
10: struggles. What what's what's turned it around for you? I mean, not much. I think that my my confidence is a little bit a little bit better right now. I got uh, got more shots, more threes last last couple of games. So there's no there's no big big change for me. I just have to be, have to be ready and shooting, no matter no matter what percentage I'm shooting.
4: That was Boyan Bogdanovich hit a couple threes late to ice it. Uh, you heard Boyan talk about how he's getting uh, a little more confidence shooting the basketball, and that uh, is nothing but good news certainly uh, for this Utah Jazz team. All right, let's now let you hear from Mike Conley.
5: All right, we'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Mike, what did a game like this one show you down the stretch tonight?
12: You know, I think it, it's, it shows a little bit of growth in this in this area where we've we've had games where we've been up on teams and, and in the past and have have let the lead slip, and then for whatever reason in the past in the last minute and a half we we don't execute or, or do things defensively to win the game. And tonight um, it showed our resiliency uh, from different guys. It wasn't just one guy doing it. Uh, bogey Bogey came in big and. You know, with those last, you know, couple of buckets and um and Royce finishing the game with the duck and stuff like that. Um, those are big plays made by, you know, everybody on the team.
5: Tony Jones, the athletic.
12: Mike, you know, just in relation to
0: the schedule for you guys in February, do you guys look at this stre- this upcoming <laughs> stretch as a as a chance to prove yourselves as a grant on a grander scale, or do you look at it differently?
12: Well, I think um, for us, we've. I think the, a thing that's helped our success so far is we've just taken, taking a game by game. You know, we're not really worried about the schedule or how strong or weak or who our opponent is the next night. Back to backs, uh, we're just going in on that night, trying to play our basketball and trying to do what we do best. And and if it's enough, we'll win. You know, we'll win these games against against the good team. So. Um, as long as we go out and execute the way we know we can. And, you um, know, obviously, we want to play well. We want to do well against the good teams. But, you know, just taking it one by one is, is, is the way to go.
5: Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
7: Hey, Mike, how do you kind of balance, you know, the first three quarters where you played well and you led by as many as 28 against the fourth quarter where, you know, the isolate, where transition kind of devolved into isolation how do you balance like kind of all of that against, you know, the end result of you coming away with, you know, a victory, especially, you know, following the, the Denver result the other night?
12: Yeah, um, you know, in games like this, it's it's, it's tough. You know, I, I think it's – you take for granted how hard it is to sustain leads in this league, you know, to be up 28. You want to push it to 40 and 50, but it just doesn't happen. Um, these teams play with pride and and they play free. and. Um, And tonight, you know, we let him back in the game and, 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 you know, as a result, I think we start to slow down. Um, We start to, you know, get into positions where we just want to, you know, take care of the ball. We want to ISO a little bit more. We want to just get, get to our spots. Um, So, I mean, there's times for that. Um, I think in in games like this, when you have big leads, we have to continue to, to play fast, continue to move the ball and continue to get stops like we were doing and not, solely rely and, and kind of revert to um, getting the ball in Don's hands or my hands or anybody's hands just to you know create opportunities.
5: David James, K U T V.
12: You know, Mike, I think everybody anticipated that they
0: were going to make a run at some point, but was there what point did you really get nervous about it, you know, in, in the teens or single digits? When when did you really feel the urgency?
12: I think when I when it got to uh you know, the teams, when it was 10, 13 points, I think, you know, that's when games can swing really easily. And um, that's just a wide open miss three in the corner. They get the ball, go down and get a three in the corner on their end. So, and that can swing the game immediately. So uh, I think we were all very urgent at that time and uh, try to be as locked in as possible to try to, you know, squeak this one out. Cause we knew that they were, they were, you know, coming back at us pretty tough and, um, and, and hitting a lot of good shots. So, uh, for us, we just want to execute at that point and, and we just really um, push that message out to everybody. Just close the game out.
5: Last question. Follow up from Chris and Kenny. Uh, you mentioned Royce a
6: little bit, Mike, but just what is he doing now this season? I mean, tonight looked at the double-double. It just seems he's more aggressive on both ends of the
5: floor.
12: Oh man, he's just, he's opening up his game. I think he's uh, expanding it as he, as he grows as a player um, within the system of the team. You know, he's a, he's developed his outside shot to where uh, teams have to close out hard on him. and, And because of that, he's developed a a a way to make plays, you know, driving the ball and throwing lobs and making plays um, for guys in the corners and just all the energy plays, the offensive rebounds um, and his defensive activity is what, you know, he's known for already. So he's just been, you know, kind of growing as a player right in front of our eyes. And um, he's a huge piece to why we are, you know, where we are right now.
4: Mike Conley, right there, 20 points for Mike, five assists, four rebounds in the win. He did it on seven of 15 shooting. Let's wrap up uh, player sound now by hearing from Donovan Mitchell.
5: Okay, we'll get started with Sarah Todd, Deseret
9: News. Hey, Don, in the, you were a recipient of a couple of pretty incredible passes tonight. There was one in the second quarter where Boyan kind of threaded it to you on a cut under the basket, and it looked like both of you were a little surprised that it actually made it to you. And then there was also Favors sending that football pass to you out on the break. Um, one, do you remember either of those? And two, how valuable is it to have you know guys that are not you and Mike that can you know be that accurate on a target and kind of create –
11: I think the biggest thing, you know, is the willingness that we have as a team. That's where it first starts. And Boy and I boy and are laughing because it's usually the other way around. You know, usually I'm finding him on the back cut. You know, I think that's what that was kind of funny. Um, but you know, the willingness to pass. We have that as a whole, you know. One through fifteen, and I think that's what makes it special. That's what makes it fun. We enjoy making those passes to each other, and I think that's what makes this group special. Um, that's not always the case. You know, we're passing up shots to get a better shot. You know, there's shots we take that are good, and we find a greater one, or you know, certain things like, like you said, uh, like like that, like that i one, like the Fave one. But like, there's just a bunch of times where it's just like fun to make that pass, and I think that's that's really rubbing off on on everybody.
5: Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
11: Don. So at what
7: point down the stretch did it start feeling like it was, you know, kind of a competitive game that the Pistons were legitimately back in it? And what kind of became most important for you guys to do at that point to, to kind of get the momentum turned around again?
11: Um, I think you know we got a, we got a little stagnant. You know, shots weren't falling; they were hitting. They were they were making run. They make a run. You know, did the same thing last game. Uh, I think the biggest thing we noticed that we got a little tired for a little bit, and then we picked our energy back up. We got rebounds. Mike pushed the break. Uh, hit Boyan for a shot. That really was was a big moment for us. But just sticking with it. You know, they're they a talented team They got talented guys, and you know they made shots. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is being able to withstand that. You know, you're not always going to be up twenty twenty three, and then continue to to go up you know, 30, 40. It's not always going to be that way. Teams are going to fight back. They have pride, you know, and they have guys who compete. Uh, So the biggest thing is being able to withstand that push, which they made a hell of a run, and we made a hell of a counter.
5: David James, KUTV.
0: Was there a little extra energy at the start of this game uh, just based on coming off of Denver? Because that was a really dominant start.
11: Yeah, you know, I think it was just a statement. You know, I think the biggest thing is we weren't, hanging our head too much after Denver you know there's stuff we definitely could have improved on and definitely stuff we could have done better but you know they shot the lights out one and two you know I think JC said it. So like we're not, we didn't expect to go 68 and four, you know, we would we would love to go out there and, you know, the second half comeback was really something that we took into this game. I think the effort, the energy, that's what we have to play with all, at all times. You know, otherwise teams are going to come out, you know, shooting 15 and 17 from three or, or whatever, maybe feeling comfortable. Um, so for us, it's going out there and just doing what we do from the jump. I think that was the biggest thing. And, you know, it was great to go out there and do that tonight. Last question. Andy Larson,
5: Salt Lake Tribune in transition is so important for you guys.
13: And, you know, when you guys kind of lose that for a second, then you were able to find it again late. How do you kind of flip that switch and, and kind of how can you keep it on for more of the game maybe
7: next time?
11: I think you said transition, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, it's, it's it's a lot, you know, to be able to run like the way we do. You know, we got old guys on the team. I make fun of them all the time. We got Mike. We got Joe. But you know, it's, it's a lot, and it's a credit to everybody on team B, the willingness to run, which creates not only the passing lanes, but you know, the the driving lanes, the stuff the reason we get our threes. You know, and there are times where you know you, you get tired, <laughs> like you know you're running all the way, and then if we miss, you got to run back on defense and run again. Like it, it gets tiring after a while, but the persistence behind it, finding it late, you know, led by Mike, you know, finding Boyan in the corner uh Royce with a going catch uh finding Boyan again in the corner like those those are the energy plays those are the ones that are going to take us over this over that you know that hump that we were get that fog we we're kind of in uh but at the end of the day man just continuing to do it and I think that's what we have on the team guys who really persistent on on making that extra run running all the way to the corner that way there's there's space to attack Rudy the bigs running running down being able to get into the paint creating the we're drawing the defense in to be able to find those threes. I think that's what we realize. That's our bread and butter. And we just gotta continue to do that. But you know, it is a lot. You know, there are gonna be times where there're gonna be stretches where we're tired. It's, it's it's natural. It happens. But uh as my college coach always used to say, like when we're tired, they're exhausted. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's kind of what's been in our head and just continuing to push um push through. Real quick, do you do you feel that more at like the end
13: of
9: a five game and eight game, eight
11: day stretch like you
9: just had? Uh I wouldn't say
11: that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I think it's, it's mental, you know, I mean, there's, there's going to be times where it's natural. It's, it's evident and it's, it's going to happen. Um, but I think, I wouldn't say we felt that because of the stretch, we were, the stretch we had. I think it was just one of those things where we were doing it such a good job of it, you know, and they made a push and we didn't really make shots. And, and it's just certain things that are just going to happen, but it's how you respond after that. That's really what's the test of a really good team. And we're making that push to be that. We got to continue to do that, not just tonight, uh, but we got a tough stretch coming up too. We got to be ready for that. There's Donovan Mitchell.
4: If uh, if folks thought he struggled against Denver, which he did a little bit, of course, certainly had a bounce back game against Detroit. He was great. 32 points, 10 of 17 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3, 8 of 11 from the line. you got to love seeing Donovan get to the line 11 times. Added six rebounds and uh, an assist. The Jazz now have a night off as they travel. Their next game will be on Thursday night. They'll take on the Atlanta Hawks. That game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game begins at 4.30.
0: There is the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, everything else that happened in the uh, NBA. Some guys really shot the ball well. A 54-point game. That will get your attention. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.
3: Kicks to O'Neal, top to Donovan, eight on the shot clock. Gets the pick from Gobert, has some airspace.
11: fires the off the bounce, three and hits. Donovan off the bounce, three, hit it, plus a foul. Chance for a four point play. Lob to Rudy on the inbound, he catches, has
2: Stewart between him, hands to Conley. Conley goes reverse side and scores it. Checks to O'Neal, drives
3: it, Grant. Cross court, Boyan, try it again, baby! He did! Boyan Bob Donovich. not once, but twice! Seals the deal!
0: Timeout, Quay Casey. <laughs> Utah Jazz build a 28-point lead. Detroit whittles it down to four. Had a three-pointer to get it, get within a point, but they missed it. Jazz got the rebound. They were running, and then you heard Locke yelling, and it was over. Jazz win 117-105. PK, you can flip the names here. The Jazz were uh, the team that dug the big hole in Denver, rallied, got close, and then didn't seal the deal. And now they have the big lead. Detroit rallies gets close but doesn't seal the deal
3: they did not at the end of
0: the day we won at the end of the day I cannot hear end of the day without thinking of you now and I'm hearing it quite a bit (laughs) it's no longer no longer belongs to one person it's spreading
3: (laughs) when the time struck well it's actually when it hits 1159 because I think when it hits midnight it's the next day
0: yes Not when it's twelve oh one. Right. Midnight belongs to the following day, not to the day that
3: just ended. Right. So when it hits eleven fifty nine fifty nine, we won. That's the end of the day.
11: Yes.
0: Donovan Mitchell thirty-two points. McDonovich, the pair of late three pointers you heard right there when the lead was four, pushed it back to seven and ten with about a minute to go. And that was it. He finished with eighteen points in the game. So you concerned that the the big lead got whittled down so much? I mean, 28 to 20 or 15 doesn't seem like a big deal. I think when it was in single digits, everybody knew it was a big deal. Like, uh-oh.
3: No, I never thought they were going to lose. Had it the whole way. I thought they would just turn it on when they had to. They got lackadaisical. Uh, so, you know, they got tired. They run. They got old guys. That was funny. Donovan Mitchell said, yeah. it's funny, Joe makes fun of us being old and... Donovan I mean, Mitchell makes, so makes, makes so him funny. being old, yeah. so it depends on where you are. You're going to get there at some point. You might as well embrace it. So, uh, you know, they had. I think it was a little loss of focus. Uh, that, that, to me, yeah. that's that's the issues. We can stat it up all we want. It was the focus
0: because they had it early. It was really yeah. good at the start of the game. They came out and jumped on them early, and they really did. They were they were clearly motivated by Denver.
3: I didn't think they. I know they built up the lead. But I don't think that they jumped on them. I think they just played their game, and it led to the lead. Does that make sense? I see it a little bit of a – it didn't seem like, oh, man, we just got to bury these guys early, and that's our number one goal. I think the way I took it anyway, and I could be totally wrong, is that the idea was just to get back to doing what we do, and that led to the big lead.
0: As opposed Uh, to the mindset is,
3: we've got to get this 20-point lead immediately. It
0: was was very crisp. I thought the passing, the reads and everything, guys weren't passing up shots. Honestly, I think that's one of the big things. When they start passing up shots, you're like, oh, geez, (laughs) they're in trouble now. and they didn't you know they didn't pass up the shots the right guy at the right time took it and they weren't just settling for threes they're taking threes when they were there but they were also going to the rim royce o'neill had a good drive early in the game thought of you right away because you've just been pumping him up and and he had a good drive early so it was really crisp and i thought coming out of halftime it was really clear on some level subconsciously or whatever they're like we got this and and the basketball
3: wasn't nearly as good Which is what it was flipped the other day, Sunday afternoon. They came out in the third quarter. So I think there's the, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are human beings. So I think it's about intensity and focus and concentration, those types of things with this team. The talent is there. It's obvious it's there. And so it needs to be doing what you're supposed to do and have a heightened awareness in the moment. And that's where I think this team is going to have its most success.
0: Jazz are off today. They're flying to Georgia because they're playing the Hawks in Atlanta tomorrow. Tip-off set for 5 no.
3: They They didn't fly. They took a midnight train. That would be awesome. And yet they didn't. They're flying. Leaving the, on a midnight train to Georgia. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA.
8: Fred in the paint. Catches the pass. Scoops it up and in on a reverse. And Fred Van Vliet. With a new franchise record, 54 points in the game. Nets have it in the black, going right to left. Irving, out on the right, a long three, good! Oh, from Port green, he knocks it down! Haylon Brown right side, finds Kemba straightaway, zips to the open man, it's Tatum, corner, three, got it!
0: Dame gets the inbound pass on the far sideline, Westbrook takes a swipe at it. Now he drives
1: the baseline, dunks it in! Right in the face of Rui Hachimura!
0: There's some highlights. You you like offense, PK. You got it. I can't even keep track. All the guys who went for 30-plus points last night, Uh, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, and Kawhi Leonard. But Fred VanVleet stands out amongst them all, 54 points, as uh, Toronto beats Orlando, 123-108. 54 is an enormous number.
3: Uh, VV, yeah. The most points ever
0: scored by a walk-on. Toronto, Toronto franchise,
3: single game record. And he wasn't drafted. How about that? Man? Yeah, right. He's only six feet, six one. It's a great story. G League, dude, back probably when it was the D League. I don't know how long it's been the G League. And so he bounced around a little bit. Found his home in Toronto. That's a great story to hold up for all those kids who have been overlooked and whatnot and most of you are overlooked when you think about it and so you're able to stay with it and you, you come up with this big game lowry had a triple double in that game and and uh, the magic i mean they, they've they just been decimated by uh injuries and COVID and whatnot but nevertheless you have to tip your hat to VV.
0: brooklyn nets get the 124 120 win over the la clippers kyrie irving 39 points in the game. The Nets are going to have to outscore you, and they did it. 124-120, so the Jazz now have the best record in the NBA as the Clippers fall to 16-6. and Tied with the Lakers, the Jazz are 16-5. And the big three, all coming up big. Harden had 23, Durant had 28, Irving had 39, and the rest of the guys, uh, you know, some free throws, a couple fast breaks, maybe an offensive rebound, and the rare open shot.
3: Well, somebody has to
0: inbound the ball. That's a true story. 34 points for all the other guys combined. But the big three are going to handle the scoring. We know that. Blazers beat the Wizards. Damian Lillard had 32 in uh, Portland's win there. Another high-scoring game, 132-121. And the Warriors, are they just going to battle for that 7-10 to spot here? They can't really beat the, uh, the top third of the league very often. Celtics, 111-107 over Golden State.
3: Uh, Yeah, that's what I see. Obviously, they don't have enough manpower.
0: NBA and the Players Association reportedly progressing on a deal for a March 7th All-Star game to be held in Atlanta. One night only, game skills (laughs) competition. A lot of extra travel in and out. I wonder if they just blow off the All-Star break and just get more games in, but apparently not.
3: Whatever they want to do there, I really don't care.
0: DJ and PK...
1: Hashtag college basketball.
0: So Billy's game at San Diego postponed. COVID nineteen concerns for the Toreros who played about half as many games as BYU. Game not likely to be made up. Uh, USD in- issued a statement that indicates the game will be canceled, as will their game at BYU that was scheduled for February thirteenth at the Marriott Center. You know they're not playing a complete double round robin PK, and I wonder if. Maybe this year when you can't play USD, if BYU is going to loop back and pick up some of the teams they're only scheduled to play once or just going to play a lot fewer games, and that's just
3: going to be the way it is. Uh, I think they're in the hunt for games, and if things could be worked out, they would do it, sure, yeah. I mean, this is uh, the way it is. USD is shutting down now for the next couple of weeks. So looks after that, in the Mount West Coast, you've only got a couple more weeks to go. So you wonder if they're even going to take the floor again, and it's not like it's a high demand for University of San Diego basketball. Uh, it's just happening. I mean, he doesn't have it here on the on the list there, but Utah's game against ASU is out uh, on Sunday. And the Devils are not playing this week at all. They're not playing Colorado. Not, they've lost I think seven or eight games. They've had three starts and stops and trying to restart. I mean, obviously, it's just created total havoc for them as they haven't been able to get any form of continuity on the floor, and it's reflected in their record. Uh, and who knows that they, they've got, the Pac-12 has a little bit of time in March, first week, but you know, how, how many games can you make up? You know, right now, I think, as I say, it's seven or eight for the Devils. Uh, it's not enough time to make up that many games, and you wonder if there's gonna, we're still what's today the 3rd of February going forward how many more games you're going to miss because you've had these issues now in your program your state has issues so for some of these programs it doesn't look very good
0: DJ and PK
1: hashtag NFL kind of what their
11: plan is I mean I'm, I'm here to, to develop and uh, I'll be the one to take over when, when he's out of here so I think that's kind of their plan all along but uh Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, everybody wants to play, but uh, for me, it's just a driving force to try and get better any way I can.
0: That's Jordan Love on the plan for him in Green Bay. Get better any way you can, and whenever he's out of here, Jordan's the guy. That's got to be pretty awkward. But you're a pro, that's what you get paid for, so you just got to roll with it, no matter how awkward it is.
3: Okay, well, that, that happens to every team. So, I mean, I don't. It, it might be awkward, but I don't know how it's not awkward for everybody. And they, I don't think they have any idea if he's going to be the guy. He can get out on the Jared golf, thought he was going to be the guy signing a long-term deal with the Rams. And then the next day, at the end of the day, they didn't want him, and he wants out.
0: Jared Goff, quote, as the quarterback, as the guy that said, arguably the most important position in the field, if you're in a place you're not wanted and they want you and they want to move on from you, well, the feeling's mutual. Right. You don't want to be in the wrong place. It became increasingly clear that was the case. Now that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, right?
3: <laughs> I mean, Aaron Rodgers is getting up there, so you have to have replacements. The, the Green Bay Packers don't cease playing football when... Aaron Rodgers retires, so you have to have a, a succession plan. Well, Jared Goff, is, he's not even 30 yet, so that, to me that's far more awkward as far as that goes, and the Rams made a quick, quick deal on that. It's really startling how quick that came about, and to be able to get somebody like that, and what you gave up, it's a big-time storyline going into next season.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with Goff, you know, they did a lot of winning, but in the biggest games, it was a struggle for them to throw for 200 yards. And his, in the playoff, his completion percentage, there were a lot of games where he was down in the 50 percentage. And, you know, and and along the way, there were great numbers and great stats. But when you look at the the biggest games, you know, he's 3-2 and in the playoffs, but he throws for 200 yards one time. I think they're feeling like they got the other parts in place. And they get a guy in there who can – Push the ball down the field, then at the end of the day,
3: they're going to win more playoff games. Well, sure, and but yet, yet they gave them a big fat contract, and knowing yeah. what you know.
0: Online apparel giant Fanatics announced that Bucks quarterback Tom Brady has become their best selling NFL player ever for a two week period between the Commerce Championship and Super Bowl as he prepares to play in his 10th Super Bowl on Sunday. Selling a lot of jerseys in Tampa Bay, but selling a lot in Orlando and Miami, and also in New York and Boston. Got to played for a couple teams, fan bases all over the place, flocking to Tom Brady gear.
3: Tom Brady is the singular face of sports in the United States. More than LeBron, because that'd be the competition, wouldn't it? I think football's bigger than basketball. Mm-hmm. Maybe not worldwide but that's why I said in the United States.
1: DJ and PK. Hashtag college football.
0: So coming and going at the University of Utah, PK, the wide receivers. Jalen Dixon's name is out of the transfer portal. He's back into the Utah program, but Brian Thompson is in the transfer portal getting ready to be out of the Utah program. Need a need a program to keep up with all the guys in the program. <laughs>
3: Thank you. Well, Brian Thompson's a blow. Yeah, I think that he was the most talented, had the best potential of any of the receivers, and it's been that way a couple of years. But they, you know, they don't utilize the receivers that much. And in this this past season, uh, they obviously, with the COVID situation and only playing five games, combined with all sorts of inconsistency at quarterback. Uh, I, I can't speak for Thompson, just trying to read between the lines, figuring, like, I'm not maximizing it. I've got this great body. I've got size. I've got speed, blah, blah, blah. I've got pro potential, and I'm not being uh, able to show it here. I, I, that, I, that's the, the only thing I could think of as far as him going, because it wasn't playing time, but, you know, now with Keithy and Covey, they seem to feature those guys and obviously they run the ball and they've got two backs that they brought in from high-profile schools Oklahoma and LSU we'll see how that pans out just because you come from there doesn't mean you can uh, be the next fill in the blank and they've had so many of them that you can fill in the blank because there's a number of names you can choose from Uh, so trying to figure out what he's thinking uh, we'll see where he ends up but I I think it's a blow to the to the program but at the same time, even though they had him, it didn't seem like he was being utilized to the fullest ability. So it's a blow on paper, but you wonder going forward, how much are they going to miss? Because it's not like they got a ton of production from him, but that's the reason probably why he left in the first place. It's because he wasn't getting in a bunch of production. So you can go round and around on this thing.
0: See, I think that you just hit the key thing. The potential <clears throat> always looked like it was there, and the production isn't. And maybe some of that is on him, but there's definitely other things you can look at and say, oh, it's not on him. I think everything you said about his mindset could be true, and we don't really get to interact with him now. And, you know, he hasn't spoken about this on the record, so it's hard to know. But I, I think that the only thing I throw on top of that is we could be breaking in another new quarterback. They could be half the season getting somebody else comfortable. Um that and, and everything else you said they are going to throw to Covey and they are going to throw to Keithy and they are going to run the ball a lot you know so the how many opportunities are going to be and then those opportunities are going to be minimized if you're breaking somebody else and and getting them comfortable
3: he well no play. matter who it is basically they're breaking it into a right. quarterback is yep. rising barely played
0: yep and you're right about when he did make plays he looked apart. right got the size he runs well he made some catches that look good I mean you didn't have to hit him right on the numbers uh but you know there'd be one or two and then what you know and they really need somebody who is just routinely going to be hey seven catches 108 yards and a touchdown who's who's that guy and he looked like okay maybe he could be that guy but he wasn't that guy and it also probably wasn't
3: all on him It certainly was not all on him. It wasn't probably. It's absolutely, most definitely not all on him. I think that if you look at Utah's receiving core, it's a startling statistic that the last 1,000-yard receiver was Trez Anderson, Now we're going back a number of years.
0: We were just talking yesterday about uh, Arizona and the Wildcats bringing guys home, getting them associated with the program, the total feel-good for the fans, and maybe it helps in recruiting And Texas has rehired former Longhorn quarterback Vince Young as a special assistant in the athletic department, bringing the College Football Hall of Famer back to the program after he was fired in 2019. Find a role for Vince Young because that was a famous team and he is a famous player and you'll always have the video of him running into the corner of the end zone at the Rose Bowl to beat USC. So get him associated with the program somehow. You don't have to fire special assistants usually.
3: Uh, well it depends on what that is, how ceremonial is it, what actually does he do, so I don't know any of that, nor do I care really. Yock's
0: very excited. EA Sports announced that the college football game series will come back. They stopped making it in twenty thirteen. More video games for you, Yock. Gonna get your kids hooked on that, right? I only play one,
7: that's that one.
0: DJ and PK
1: Hashtag Major League Baseball. There were many teams that we talked to, and there were many deals that made no sense. And to be quite honest, there were 10 times over the last two weeks where I didn't think the St. Louis deal made any sense.
0: That's Rocky Cohen and CEO Dick Montford on. Uh... Nolan Arenado being traded to St. Louis. That's it's the face of the franchise. A guy who put up massive numbers, PK. The, the kind of guy fans feel good about. And they come to the ballpark to see him swing. See if he's going to knock one out for him. And he's gone. So apparently St. Louis finally sweetened the deal and it made sense. I don't think to fans it makes a lot of sense. Well,
3: fans don't care about those the financial aspect of it. And all they know that he was a homegrown dude. I mean, they drafted him. Uh, he, he played on a high school team down there in El Toro, which is down by Irvine there uh, in Orange County. Two other guys uh, played on, are in the big leagues. <laughs> Chapman, the third baseman from uh, Oakland, and then Romine, whose dad played at ASU and played in the big leagues himself. And his brother played in the big leagues. And Arenado did, Arenado did sign with the Devils but didn't go there. And they drafted him in the second round. And he's been with them all this time. And I get it, man. You have these attachments to these guys, and he's really good. And now he's gone, and doesn't look like there's much hope. You talk about how a team needs to have hope for winning. Well, the Rockies, you know, I was reading that that uh, voiceover it was this, they put it in print, and I was reading it, and he's talking about the owner and maybe thinking about firing himself, and <laughs> making a joke about it. But when you you know you think about it, uh, that they. Let go of their cornerstone. I mean that, from a fan standpoint, that is a major blow.
0: Angels pitching coach Mickey Callaway has been suspended pending an investigation into the allegations against him by five women of lewd behavior. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. And uh, now they're, they're sitting him down. He gets suspended in February 3rd, doesn't matter so much, but we are just talking about spring training is two weeks away, so how quickly are they going to move through this, and are they going to have to hire a new pitching coach or promote someone inside the organization? They're, they're going to need a pitching coach when they get to camp.
3: Oh, yeah, I would, I mean, I don't know if these are true. I, get, I saw the pictures, so there's absolutely, there's photographical, evidence, if that means anything, but uh, this is a thing that has to cease and desist, and guys are going to pay if you do it. You're just going to have to be uh, accountable for your actions here. And you're married? Because he put out a statement, the statement's here on the rundown, but he he put that statement out a couple days ago. You know, he's married, and his wife's a mayor of these general allegations. I mean, what what does that mean? And I don't want to convict a guy before... uh, Not that it's, it's, I don't think he'll be in a court of law. I don't think that he broke any laws. I'm not sure on that. Uh, But this type of behavior, generally speaking, it's just got to stop. There's really no need for it.
0: What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, the Joe Ingalls Show, usually on Thursdays, sometimes on Fridays. This week, they get games Thursday and Friday. Joe usually stays away from the game days, So, it's Joe Ingles today. Coming up uh, 835, 840, somewhere in there. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah Hoop staff member, will join us in 905. And we're talking Super Bowl with John Clayton, Washington Post, contributing NFL columnist, and he does radio on 710 ESPN in Seattle. John Clayton will be here at 930. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. (laughs)
1: In the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hot Takes or Toes brought to you by Jerry Siner Cadillac. Right now, you can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT lineup. Experience the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today. Question of the morning What's your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order? PK, I think I'm going to just yeah. take issue with the assumption right here, and it's an assumption that a lot of people are making. I just don't think order was destroyed by one loss in Denver. It was a bad loss. It got weighed down. It was disappointing. Everybody was fired up and wanted them to win. But when you've won 11 in a row and you lose one, I don't feel like uh, there's order to restore. It would take multiple losses before I would feel that order had been uh, had been wrecked.
3: Well, I got bad news for you then. They're going to have multiple losses the rest of the season. I believe that.
0: I just so don't feel order like order will, has
3: been wrecked yet. Then it will be. If you believe that, then what you're acknowledging is that order will yes. be wrecked.
0: Yes, and I, and I believe we will have this discussion at some point. They will go out and lose three out of four or something like that. I, just, I can't believe they're going to have a bunch of long winning streaks followed by one loss, followed by another long winning streak, followed by one loss. It's not going to work like that unless they're even better than we've been talking about.
3: Well, I think the big thing is they've got some games here against teams that are under or at 500, and are they going to be able to beat them? And so that's the sign of a good team Then, if you're acknowledging that, well, I don't know if order needs to be restored. Uh, I mean, the, the Lakers lost to Detroit, and, jeez, you would have thought the dam broke, and there was a flood in the Great Basin. It came down from the grapevine i mean that that, (laughs) the grapevine
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's some
3: local knowledge i like it (laughs) well i lived there for a bit uh so that's the sign of a quality team is when you do lose it's a news event basically as opposed to eh, they lost again like you're talking about the warriors that game was on uh at the same time as the jazz flicking back and forth did watch a lot of the uh Earlier game, the Nets and the Clippers, because of the, the time difference change of an hour back, allowed you more time, at least for me anyway, to concentrate on that earlier game. And so it's a story when – really, it's a story when either of those teams, because of the star power that the Nets now have, and the Clippers are expected to be good, and they are good. They just they're, – they're really good, and it's going to be tough to beat them unless Paul George just really lays another leg. He's a wildly talented player. You have to think that uh, talent matters, and so he should perform better than he has in the postseason, and we'll see about that when we get there. But when the Lakers lose, it's a news story, and I think that's the same thing with the Jazz. Any loss is a big deal, which is a great thing to have, if, as opposed to, you know, will, will they lose three out of four? I mean, you basically say yes. There will be a stretch here during this. Now, you have to factor in COVID and health because that could change things. But all things being equal, will this team have a stretch of losing three out of four? I don't know that they will.
0: Well, then that's awesome. That is awesome. And and here's the thing. The Lakers are defending champs. I don't think it was just the Detroit loss. I think that it was back to back and that they'd gone three and three over six games. That's and fair. so that is like, hey, what's going on? And the first thing, because we're not in the middle of it and we're not living it day-to-day, but the first thing you and I both go to is, well, yeah, you didn't have Anthony Davis. <laughs> okay, you lost. The other losses were one point to Philly and two points to the Warriors. You know, you, you don't win them all. They were 14-4 and four before they lost the back-to-back games. But they're still, even after those losses, and they've rided the ship, they've come back, and they've won two more. But even walking out of the arena in Detroit with back-to-back losses and it's three out of six, like they were still winning 70% of their games. That, that's still a, a really good clip. But it's not a 60-win clip in an 82-game season, which is what Laker fans, are, where's our 60 wins, where's our championship? So anytime you fall short of that standard, which is obviously a high standard, two in a row, three out of six, we're not on a 60-win pace.
3: What's going on? They'll get it together. Yeah, again. I mean, I picked Detroit because they stink.
0: And it's really the only thing to pick with the Lakers because, other than that, they've been who they're supposed to be. They're just, they're really good again.
3: Right. And when they do lose, it's a big deal. And I think, I, even in our own community right now, I think the Jazz are under respected and they're undervalued as far as where they belong on the list of great teams. I, I think there's a reluctance even in our own community. I think there's also a reluctance nationally, but I certainly think, and I to a degree I can understand that, but locally here I think there is a, a reluctance to put them in that category that when they do lose, it's a big deal. And so you're going to get – it's like BYU football in a sense this past season – yeah, 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 yeah. See, they lost that game. See, I told you. And I think that's what we had with the Denver thing. So even though it was one loss, and it was just one loss, obviously, it seemed like it mattered a little bit more for a couple of reasons. We're, we're waiting for them to stumble. They're not that good. They can't be that good. Wait a second. They're out in Salt Lake City. You just can't be that good. Come on. Who's their big star? Oh, this young kid? Pfft. Get out of town. Look what Shaq said. Shaq's right. You know, at at the heart of it, there's there's very few, there's a couple of guys that it's just beyond criticism, and I think Shaq, uh, people are quick to defend him. LeBron, no matter what LeBron does, LeBron has has become the. This is the crusader of the world, basically. And there's a large segment of this population that will not criticize him under any circumstance. He is a hero on and off the floor, as I say. He's a crusader, and he's beyond reproach for a lot of folks. And whether you disagree with it, that's not the point. The point is, that's the truth. I'm, when I say disagree, I'm talking about any political stance or whatever. I'm not talking about his stances. I'm talking about his stature. And I think he's that point. And I think to a degree, Shaq has that too. He's known more as a goofball. But obviously, when he was critical of Mitchell, he wasn't in goofball mode. He was dead serious. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to support Shaq because of who he is and what he has done. And, yeah, he is a big goofball. We know that. But he was being serious. So they're looking at it. And so, see Shaq was right. Look at him. That big game that they had finally played a big game. And they got blown. Yeah, they can beat the Mavericks. Well, everybody and their dogs beating the Mavericks these days. So that doesn't really count. Sure, they're good enough to beat those teams. But are they really that good? So I think that was sort of a double whammy on Sunday in a national respect. And so it was important that they came right back out and got the win. And going forward, these teams—I know they play Atlanta, who they play on Saturday. I don't remember. Uh, I don't think they play Saturday. Sure, they do. Charlotte oh, Friday oh, and oh, Char- Thursday. Indiana Thursday, Sunday. Friday, yeah, yeah, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Thursday, yeah. Friday, Sunday. Thursday yeah. Friday, Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So it's Atlanta, Charlotte, Indiana. Well. They better win all three because they're constantly fighting. As far as when I say win all three, if you want that respect to continue to grow and piggyback off of uh, each other's wins and all that stuff, seems like they, they've got to because if they have one slip up, aha, see, mm-hmm. I yeah. told you, just like BYU football had this past season.
0: And I think the other thing is that the Clippers and Lakers, one of them may slip up, but I don't think both of them are going to. And if you're not in the top spot, it's – all the easier to dismiss you. And you can be dismissed if you're number one, but if you slip to number three, it's just even easier. By a half game? Yeah, it's like you can win It's like because it's for the same reason. I get why you say that because it sounds ridiculous when you say it, but because, team, because people are looking for a reason, it's like you lost, you're not the best team, you don't even have the best record now, and you know when you get to the playoffs because people are looking for a reason to dismiss
3: Okay, why is that, though? That Why are they looking for a reason to dismiss this ball club? I mean, I just gave my reasons. Two reasons, I think. One. It's always um, two.
0: Yes. <laughs> There's probably three, but two came to mind right away. You can add a third when try, I give my try, two. Try
8: and get a third in there, okay? Okay. <laughs>
0: Stars matter. They don't have a star. The level but yet they of do. Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James in the public's mind because those guys have done it multiple times with multiple teams. They have held up the trophy.
3: But they're not going to do it alone.
0: True. That's one. And then two, just the general rep of the franchise. Like, L.A. is supposed to be good, and the Salt Lakes of the world, Indiana's, Detroit's, Denver's, whoever else you want to throw in there, hmm? they're not yeah. supposed They're not supposed to be good. Portland I mean, and New Orleans did... and Memphis aren't supposed to be good. Like, L.A. is supposed to be good. Now, the Clippers, it's not like they've been doing NBA Finals. But they got a guy who has done it with the Spurs and done it with the Raptors, and it's L.A., so they get that status, and they're, and they're not looked at the same way.
3: Yeah, you right, got, that's you why. Got a third one. Those are my two. No, Star well, power, I mean, they, history of the franchise, in the market. Those are the two things that I already said. So well, <laughs> good for you. Uh, uh, you nailed it. Winner. Well, because I agreed with you. Uh,
0: Always. That's what it comes down to. Whenever you see whenever you hear someone say, I met so and so really smart. It's like, go back to the conversation. They agreed
3: with each other for the last five minutes. Hence why LeBron is thought as a crusader is because the stuff he says, there's a large segment of the population who wants to agree with him. That's why he's viewed as a sort of a cultural hero in that way we, we all understand that that's the way it goes it's irregardless of what you think of him i don't really care what his political stances are that's just me but uh, that's why he, he can do no wrong in this country right now and when he speaks man it's like practically coming down from from the mountaintop uh and the jazz don't have that uh they don't have that rep that's why i think it's important the perception is that they needed to restore order Whether you think they did or not doesn't really matter. The perception is that they needed to because they did lose. And as far as national acclaim, and the great thing about it is you don't really need the national acclaim. Uh, It's just a talking point for ding-dongs like me during the season. To try to figure out this isn't like college football in that BYU basically had to be voted in to some prestigious bowl game. Well, you don't have to be voted into anything at the pro sports level because the opportunity is there for you to seize it and show everyone. Did you get it? Are you good enough? Would you win? That's the great thing about the pro sports is that it's not a beauty contest in the way that college football is because essentially at the end of the day with college football, it's decided by judges. (laughs) And once you bring in judges, you bring in all sorts of perception bias, good or bad, history bias, good or bad, all those types of things. We're just talking in the meantime because when we get to the postseason, May or June, whenever that is, well we'll find out and if you're good enough and you got uh, seven opportunities to show it in each particular round if you get to four you get to go and continue and obviously the other guy goes home so that's that's essentially you know why pro sports is much better than college you don't have to worry about that nonsense although at the same time you know as you said Los Angeles being what it is basically don't screw it up and you should be good and if you screw it up, well, then you're not going to be good. But, you know, they have so many built-in advantages that these smaller markets and these places like Salt Lake don't have. But I think in the interim time, these guys are striving, or at least uh, among the fan bases in the media and the games that we play, for perception. That's why I think they needed, they did, in fact, need to restore order immediately, and they did. It wasn't a glamorous, sexy win, but in my mind, it was certainly good enough.
0: Jason didn't think they needed a restore order. He says it was one loss against a really good team. Hyperbole much? But at the same time, Aaron Post, it's the Jazz we're talking about. <laughs> just dismissing them. because what whatever I think whatever some previous team did that disappointed versus whatever the level of expectation was that year. So because of whatever happened two years ago or 12 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever it is, it's going to happen again.
3: Well, yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe it will. And I don't know that 20 years ago or any of that stuff, as you say, has anything to do with it. But, yeah, I think the Jazz are in a position that you can't just say, oh, well, we're a small market out here in the middle of the crossroads of the West where nobody comes except some truckers on I-80. You look at it, this group hasn't proven anything. Nothing as far as a, a level of importance, right? And we talked about Matt, Matt Harpering yesterday. I thought Matt made a couple of great points. Uh, one, when he criticized Shaq, is was like, oh, wait a second, Shaq, you weren't winning anything when you were 24 years old. <laughs> right?" <laughs> you know? And that was quite the talking point when he was 24. Oh,
0: yeah, he's yeah, bigger yeah. and stronger, but he didn't shoot free throws and what's he done in the yeah. playoffs? Which is yeah. the same thing Jordan heard when he was 24.
3: Right. And I think that uh, so he's quick to criticize, obviously, Donovan Mitchell at 24 years of age. And Shaq was not he I think he was 27, Mm -hmm. maybe even. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was 27. I think he was 27. 27.
0: I think he and Jordan both were. Yeah,
3: Right. And so, you know, that's not that far away in real life. But in basketball, three years, that's a long time. Uh, and, you know, that's what obviously Mitchell has to go. He still has three years to go before he gets there. So, wow. just Think, think about that. When, at that point, when he's a seven-year veteran, geez, that, that seems almost unfathomable that there's going to be a time that Donovan Mitchell is going to be a seven-year veteran. He's like our kid. He's our teenage son, (laughs) but yet we're going to watch him grow up as a man, as a basketball player, right before our eyes. But
0: it's it's what you see. It's what you said in the last segment, though, when he was making that joke about, "Yeah, we get tired. We're an old team." I love to say those guys. You know, there's three guys in their 30s. There's like five guys in their prime. Donovan now, now, performance-wise, maybe he's actually in his prime. But when you look at his age and how long he's been in in the league, he shouldn't be his prime. Should still be right. His prime should still be out there. You know, I, I think I, it just, is. I think that like 27 to 31, you know, that kind of 5-year run and and maybe you keep it going after that. And maybe you're Chris Paul and you're still wildly productive at 35. Yeah. But most guys aren't. You know, most guys pretty good at 30, 31 and then you start bracing yeah. yourself for the drop. But sure, off.
3: most guys aren't that yeah. player though. Right. That's mm-hmm. what separates the, the the superstars are by definition not most guys. So, these guys individually and to follow up on the harping thing, he was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, criticizing Shaq for criticizing Mitchell. And I thought it's a valid point. Shaq didn't win until he was 27. So let's give Mitchell some time. And certainly he has time on his side right now. And then secondly, Matt's acknowledging, well, in this league, particularly in this league, in order to be the true superstar, it has to be done in the postseason. It just, it, it, it has to be. I don't think in the NFL or MLB that it necessarily has to be. Uh, Dan Marino didn't get it done in the postseason, but yet he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't think anybody would uh, argue that. And obviously Mike Trout in baseball, he's not getting it done in the postseason. He's not having the opportunity to get it done, but we recognize him as a superstar. Where I think that's completely and totally different in basketball. You, It is an absolute must. You must get it done in the postseason. And these guys, to a large extent, haven't had that opportunity to get it done, although I believe that they're going to. That's the great thing.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. February signing day, PK. Do you remember when that was a big deal? Oh, for sure, yeah. It's crazy how much it's changed. Right? Today's signing day. Do you feel it in the air? No, nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Uh, But there is a little bit of a, a mea culpa. A readjustment. And it reflects well on the youths if you're into that kind of thing, if you want to be, or, or maybe it drives you nuts when you hear it. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone.
11: Now let's get this party
1: started. This is Hans Olson and Scotty G on the Zone Sports
14: Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no. And I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John. How are hey you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, yeah. John, why we have you? No, no. Uh,
11: we've had a, uh-huh. a a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you
12: <laughs> we were out working and you know cleaning our
14: ends or whatever you want to call it and uh he thought that he was like king triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh exactly sure enough he just right on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap did you throw a trident
8: yeah i killed a guy with a trident
1: Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
0: DJ and PK reminding you Valentine's Day is not far away, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with his own, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Shop for Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. So today is the second big signing day, except there really isn't a second big signing day because the first signing day is so big, the second signing day exists to, I don't know, double back and fill the rest of the slots, and maybe you had a a kid transfer and you have got an open scholarship. And for the group of five, maybe there's a little more, you know, uh, the guys who didn't sign because they thought they were going to go to a Power Five school are now available. So there'll be some signings, but it doesn't have the juice it used to. Uh, We see the classes ranked when this is all done, PK, and we see the Utes often ranked in the 30s, which is better when their classes were ranked in the 60s but the teams constantly outperform the rankings and the athletic does a deal where they go back and four years later after all is said and done I guess there's some fifth year seniors and return missionaries roaming the lands but largely it's all said and done and they re-rank them and the Utes have now had three of their classes re ranked seventh ninth and 25th and I think that of all the back rooms where the deals get made, you know, people would like to sit in on the NCA selection committee maybe, right? You'd like to sit in with an NFL team in a draft room and see what really goes down here before a, a draft day trade or something. Uh, how they rank these kids and give them stars and why do five-star four, five and four-star kids transfer and why do two stars end up? Uh, in the NFL, uh, how does this all happen? I don't know. Seven and nine seems a little high based on the fact the Utes haven't, you know, won a conference championship. But they go through these classes and and the players who developed who they never expected to, and uh, you know th- they're ranking these classes much higher at the end than they do at the start. Which brings you to the question: Why don't they just rank them higher at the start? Well, two things. All right.
8: All right. I like it. <laughs> I like it. What do you got? Turning the tables on him.
3: I don't know if it's two things. I just said that. I think they're being ranked on uh, NFL. They are. So if you're going to go to the NFL, that's going to increase. Yep. Whether like like Tim Patrick didn't give the Utes much because he was injured a lot, but he's in the NFL.
0: Yep. And they do. Yeah. They have a five star yeah. system, yeah. and if you uh, go, if you're a top fifty NFL draft pick, an award winner, an All American, they give you five points. And yeah. if you're all conference or a multi year starter, they give you four. So,
3: so yeah. I think that's a large portion of it. Now, also the same thing with Patrick with Thompson here, quarterback wasn't giving you much. So they've yet to have
14: uh,
3: Huntley was pretty good. Uh, so you, uh, but he was pretty good for. Really one season, you know, his sophomore year was growing pains. Mm -hmm. Junior year, he got hurt halfway through and it was done, unfortunately. And then senior year, he put together a really good season. You've got to acknowledge that. Uh, I I think that even the December recruiting date isn't as big as the February used to be. Used to be the first Wednesday in February, which is where we are today. Mm -hmm. That was a huge deal. It was everything, right? I counted on working, you know, ten-hour day because, uh, especially after I uh, left the Watchdog, I wasn't. I was not just focused on one. When I was with the Watchdog, I had an assignment. It was uh, Utah State for a while, BYU, Utah. You know, you move around. And so I would focus on that. Then, when I became just strictly electronic, it's my job to cover everything, right? So I was always going to Provo and up on the hill because they were having a big thing for both. And they would you BYU especially would make huge presentations, and it, you know they'd have film, they'd have Rubel have voiceovers. Everything mm-hmm. would be done on that. They'd show you clips of. Uh, I can still remember Ofa Molotow, who never panned out, you know, just pancaking 12 guys out on the defense, uh, <laughs> which I'm obviously I'm making an exaggeration. And the crowd, they invite the Cougar Club in. Oh, ah, all this stuff. You know, it was such a massive deal. Yep. Utah's was a little more understated, but still it was a big, big deal. Well, now there's nothing. And there's really nothing on uh, either way. Now, this this last season was a little bit different here with the Zoom calls anyway. So, But I think that even the December date isn't as big of a deal. And what I mean by that, because recruiting now is a broad-based definition, meaning mining that transfer portal. You just yep. look at Mark Pope and his basketball team. Well, the, re- the signing date for them, that's just a sliver. We don't really know until August what his team is going to be because that guy has taken advantage as he should because you know, BYU being uh, some obviously restrictive, it's much easier to get like this Averett kid in, they did a feature on him that what they what do they call that thing, Yuck the blue, deep blue deep or something? Blue, which PK yeah. K-
8: PK was featured
3: in. Yeah, they came out to my house and they do a great job, I gotta say. And I think they hire out uh, independent people to do it, and they came out. And you know, I've been I've done a lot of television over the years and that type of thing. And you and I, DJ, did that Sports Century thing mm-hmm. with Carl Malone, yep. where we went uh, to over a hotel. By Old Mill, at least I did, and and sat in there. Well, that Deep Blue was just as professional uh, coming in. They and they actually came into my home and had all that stuff. Well, the point I'm making is, I watched that thing, and somebody put it on Twitter, and I saw it. And you see the kid now, well, what is he, 22 years old? He's way more mature, so he can handle all the stuff that BYU is about for a short time much easier than he probably wouldn't have given him the time of day when he was 18. Well, here at 22, 23 years old, you know, obviously he's a man now, and so that's wise for Mark Pope to do that. And we've seen Utah Starting to really get into that stuff. Herm Edwards, he calls it f- the free agency period. <laughs> he, he NFL guy, it. yeah, <laughs> right, right. Which you have to do. So because of this transfer stuff that's going on, it's like the signing day now in December isn't as big of a deal mm-hmm. as it used to be. You,
0: just look at Utah. I mean, their yeah, starting quarter, their right? the youth starting quarterback this year yeah. came through the transfer portal. Their yeah. backup quarterback. Came through the transfer portal. There's a strong chance that one, two, three on the depth chart will all come through the transfer portal and then go to running back. Right, right, exactly. Good yeah. chance that one and two will be transfer portal,
3: guys. So so yeah. how you manipulate this transfer portal thing is crucial to your team's success for a lot of programs, and even, even the big dogs, Justin Fields, and down JT Daniels in Georgia, Burrow at LSU. You know, so you can't just say, well, it's just for those who have to fight, scratch, and claw. Uh, yes, it is. Maybe more so, but even the big dogs are getting involved in it.
0: DJ and PK, we're taking a break. When we come back, more on the Utah Jazz. we got a lot of response pouring into the question of the day. We will get to that coming up. Joe Engel scheduled to join us and. In- Probably about 35-40 minutes. Uh, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, to be here at 9 o'clock. And we're talking Super Bowl with John Clayton. Washington Post and 710 ESPN in Seattle at 9.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. we got Joe Ingles coming up in about half an hour. We're talking Super Bowl with John Clayton, Washington Post contributing NFL columnist, host on 710 ESPN in Seattle. He'll be here at 9.30. And in between those two, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Question of the day for the Utah Jazz. We will get to that in a moment. But first, let's remind you to join the big show. Friday from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse. Eighteen twenty-five South, three hundred West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind.
7: Oh, boom, 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 boom!
0: I like the last boom better. (laughs) Got to build up to it. What is your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order? That is the question of the morning. And Marco never wavered. He says they just need to continue to beat the teams they're supposed to beat and split with those that are favorites against you. That's a good plan.
3: I want more than a split.
0: I want two-thirds. Ooh, getting greedy. I am. Hey, why not? Hey. This is the year, right? We don't, well, we don't know that next year's roster will be as good as or better than no, this year. Don't. Maybe, oh, maybe yeah. when it gets there it will, but there's enough older guys yeah. and expiring contracts, there's no
3: yeah. guarantees. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I believe in this team. I believe in this team's ability to play great basketball, and that's why I thought last night's game was important. And it was a funky game. You know, you get a twenty point, twenty eight point lead, and then you naturally have some letdown. And then I like to see that Bogdanovich hit the big threes because he has been somewhat inconsistent, especially relative to the other guys on the team. So I don't think he necessarily needs a boost in confidence because he's been doing it for a good long while. But it was still nice to have him do what he does and not have any hesitation. The thing that I love, obviously you love the shots went in. Ultimately, that's what has to happen. But I'm a big body language dude to see how you're reacting and all that and are you hesitating because that's going to reflect a little dent in your confidence but no you get the ball this is what we brought you in here to do so go ahead and do it recognizing that you know you're not going to have success all the time but I'm going to have to expect a high level of success and I like how he gets the ball boom puts it up there and yes it does go in that bodes well so I thought it was a it was a necessary bounce back game because you know, you look at the Lakers, all right, those two studs, it's particularly the one. He's proven. He's got nothing left to prove in this league as far as I'm concerned. He's only adding. It's all icing at this point. He is an all-timer who into the Hall of Fame with all your titles and all that stuff and well-deserved. And Anthony Davis as a second fiddle, well, yeah, if LeBron is your first guy, Anthony Davis is plenty good enough. It remains to be seen that Anthony Davis can be the top guy Maybe he can, but certainly as a second dude, I would take him every single time if my top guy is there. So they don't really have to prove it. And I think as you bring out with Kawhi Leonard, yeah, you're right. Paul George needs to prove it a little bit more, certainly, but Kawhi doesn't. And with the Jazz, they've really got a bunch of guys that you can argue every single one of them has to prove it. And so I think it's important to avoid any form of slump. And if you lose a game, and that's a great thing about it, this team's really good, so it's somewhat of a mini slump if you lose a game, and especially getting blown out in Denver, which is essentially what happened. And Jokic going for 47. That's not good. That reflects negatively. So that's why I thought they needed that bounce-back game last night. Just for you,
0: I asked Bogey about the shooting because obviously he'd been shooting a much lower percentage than he shot a year ago, and that we all what we all expected to see from him. And over the last three games, he shot the ball pretty well. He was four of eight from three last night, and he hit yeah. two that really mattered when the twenty-eight right. point lead went down to four <laughs> a minute ago. Clearly, those shots mattered, and yes. we played Locks calls earlier this morning. He was way excited slash relieved uh, sure. because they weren't blowing the lead; they were going to win the game. And I asked Bogey about it, and, and, you know, I wondered if he's going to say something about the way he felt and, uh, the you know, the wrist and if he was healthy or whatever. And, and he went straight to confidence. And he said, yeah. you know, the most important thing is – I feel confident. It feels like the ball's going in. I have to stay aggressive. I can't worry about whether the last shot went in or not. And it's clear there's the implication there and in stuff Quinn has said earlier that that happened at some point earlier this season, that he thought, I'm missing, and those guys are making. So he, then he passes up an open shot to get the ball back to the guy who is hot, which makes him a good teammate, and there is a certain amount of logic to that. But big picture, I think Quinn and his staff are saying, when you're open, it's only 24 second o'clock you got to shoot it, it's, you know, we got to assume it's going to go in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you have to pull the trigger when you're wide open. you got to let that thing fly. Absolutely. And he, and he did it. And he could have, with a minute to go, it was two-on-two, two, he could have said, hey, I'm going to hold up, we're going to let three other guys get down here, we're going to run another ten seconds off the clock. And there's a certain logic to that, but they want him to let it fly. He let a three-pointer go two-on-two. Two, and he made it, so all was well.
3: Yeah, well, this is a team that I don't think we have to worry about selfishness. Right. I haven't seen it. No. I don't want to sound like a complete. And total it's, holder, it's a, but a bigger problem. To,
0: is overpassing. I think overpassing I have, is a much right. bigger problem than it's more likely to be a problem than selfishness. They're
3: going to. I have to say what I see, and I don't see a form of selfishness. So Bogdanovich, if you're open, feet set, yes, and I want, and it's like before the shot, the actual shot is taken. I love to look at that stuff. Because I think that, in a sense, you can look into the window of, I don't want to get too dramatic here, but, you know, their heart. Because their heart is going to tell you, if you got heart, that means you got confidence, right? Whoever has heart, you, it, I believe they go hand in hand. And so if you have any form of doubt, well, then you're beaten. It's going to be hard to overcome if you, the individual, has a form of doubt. Believe me. Every single at-bat when I got in the batter's box in high school,
0: I had doubt.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Everyone's looking at me. Please don't strike out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, see, I bet, and just knowing you, see, I think you always had heart. You always gave effort. You always wanted it. But you did have doubt. And to me, you're right. Sometimes those things go hand in hand, but they don't always. I think there are people who have heart, and they want it. But on some level, they just aren't sure they're good enough in the
3: moment that's coming. Okay, yeah, but I, we're talking about professionals. Yeah. They shouldn't be there. We're not talking about guy high school yeah. guys like you. Okay, but me. I don't
0: know. Okay, but let's go Paul George. I, I think I think Paul George plays hard, but I do see that doubt in his game. But I don't ever think that he's, you know... Lacks lack a daisical, given less than a hundred percent. I don't. I don't. Maybe I should watch closer, but I don't view him as that kind of guy. But I do think he gets a miss in a big moment, and there's – oh, and he feels the pressure, and he knows he should come through, and he wants to. I think he's a good teammate and all that. But in the biggest moment, he he doesn't come through. He misses shots. He has two for or three for you know fourteen or sixteen games or whatever. Um, but That's they lack like in confidence. Oh, absolutely, totally on the confidence. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, Joe's coming up in about 20 minutes. Stay with us.
11: Now let's get this party started. This
1: is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Have
14: we ever talked to John on the air? No. No, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, yeah. how well, we have you. No, no. Uh,
11: we've had a, uh-huh. a a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you.
14: <laughs> we were out working and you know cleaning our hens or whatever you want to call it, and uh, he thought that he was like King Triton, and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh, that is true. Enough. Heat best bag on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident?
8: Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident.
1: Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30. Code word Welcome 30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orem, Sugarhouse, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. All right, PK, we got more uh, We got more reaction uh, coming in here to the, uh, what's your confidence level? The Jazz have restored order after the loss to Denver. Uh Scott says his confidence is high. Good. Leroy says, ask me after they play three games against the L.A. teams later this month. And they do have one coming up with the Clippers and two with the Lakers in February. Looking forward to those games.
3: Well, I hope there's uh, eight with both of those teams.
0: (laughs) Has the Jazz facing one of them in the second round winning and getting to the conference final against the other one. Yes, it does. Yeah, and eight because you're thinking
3: sweep, sweep. Well, minimum eight. I'll say minimum eight. Yeah, I don't, I don't, no, don't think they're going to sweep both. Of those. <laughs> if they went eight no against those guys, that, oh my that'd gosh. be awesome.
0: Well, <laughs> when the when Stockton alone swept the Lakers, nobody could believe. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to be a long
8: series. They sweep both those teams.
3: There they're, are legitimately. Just, yeah, yeah I'm Romino talking about what happens. Eight no against them? Yeah, I know. That no, would, no, the, no, it that would be shock. It would be shocks. It There's it just would. no way. Not not happening by any stretch. So, but if they, I d- take it right now. You tell me they play the both the Clippers and Lakers in the postseason, one hundred percent of the time, every time. <laughs> I'm taking I that sign up for that because that means you beat one of them.
0: Yep, absolutely. At least one, it leaves the door open for beating the other one. Correct. Mark says they have to stop giving up big leads. Now they're letting a bad team back into the game that should be over. An average team at best. Who's an average team at best? That was Mark. Jazz? That was Mark posting that during the during the jazz Oops. during the Jazz Pistons
3: so, game. Though the Jazz are an average team at best, that's what he's saying. Yes, no, no, it's not true. Agreed. I, I can't. They've got they certainly a certainly let the other team back in. No doubt about it.
0: They got a winning record against teams with winning records, and I know that stat's a little squishy because you know teams win and lose and drop above and drop below and then rise above the the five hundred line, but. Uh, Locke was tweeting out a stat that they're like seven and four against teams with winning records. That's an excellent record. If you're doing that well against the top half of the league, you're very good. That's not fattening up on the bad teams. That's that's winning like you you won a two out of three. They're almost there. Winning two out of three against teams with winning records.
3: And I already know that. I don't I don't need stats to back up what I already know. I just that you clutter my mind with that stuff. Yep. Well, other people need them, so endure it. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think they do. I think you can oh, see. Oh, they do. I think stats guys need it. Well, you're the the one saying that people... The average fan, we don't... The the average fan don't care about stats. But you just said earlier
0: that people in this market are underplaying how good the Jazz are. Off the eyeball test, they're underplaying. And part of it's probably psychological. It's like they were disappointed because you know uh, the lakers beat the jazz 3 times in 4 years during the boozer sure. era well, and you know so and the jazz history. lost to jordan and the bulls with stockton and all malone history.
3: yeah yeah but i don't think if you're if you're doubting it stats aren't going to convince you so that, that's where the stats guys don't understand that they think that the stats provide the bottom line un, inarguable answer and i because You're they're in the stats,
0: you certainly and can. So that's move, why they build it. You certainly can move the numbers
3: around at times to make them show what you want. I see what I see. That's what, and and, and invariably, the numbers then back me up because I saw what I saw, and I know what I know. And this team is capable of winning two thirds of its games against anybody, and, and I'm not, I'm talking regular season. A playoff situation where you're honed in on a seven-game series, get to that when we get to that. But I'm not expecting, to me, just going 500 against playoff teams this year overall, not good enough. That's underachieving relative to its talent because I believe the ball club has enough talent to have two-thirds success, Uh, assuming there's not COVID and injury. when and which, if we get there, there we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. worry about that then. Yeah, uh, And that's uh, where you hope that you're getting a slumping Dallas team when you've got two of your top nine guys out and your number one guy offensively is out. Well, the schedule played out well for them because they got Dallas probably during its worst stretch of the season and they were able to beat them easily. Great. That worked very, very well. Over the course of the season, probably not as much. And maybe, if, you know, who knows? If the schedule had set up Clippers and Lakers, maybe they lose both of those games. But it worked well to their advantage. But all things being equal, I believe this ten- team has the talent in the regular season to compete and win two-thirds of their games against high-level competition. When it's one-on-one in the postseason, I may change my tune. See when we get there. But right now, this is exactly the way I feel because I see it. I see it with my own eyes.
0: What's your confidence level? The Jazz have restored order, and Mark tweets at us, they never lost order. And Kenny says, this is the right answer. If not for a scorching night from Denver, the Jazz likely have won 13 straight. Oh, yeah, well, if the Queen
3: had, she'd be king. I mean, come on. <laughs> so you, you can't do that. I, I Actually, say, that's where I disagree. I think because this team collectively has not proven anything that they have a series of tests. Now beating Detroit on its own merit is not a test, but beating Detroit after getting worked in Denver is a test under the circumstances. And people and and these guys today's generation is all over social media. So one guy says one thing somewhere on his planet and these guys hear about it. I mean look at that goofy thing with that young gal and LeBron it's all over social media she put out two videos of f-bombing I showed it to my wife last night and he's like what the heck is this so the point is these guys know everything and because this group they really haven't proven anything they knew full well they got blown out in Denver and they know there's a lot of naysayers out there so, and and it's just natural. At least it is in my DNA. If there's a naysayer, what do you want to do? You want to shut them up. You want to prove to them. And they can say, oh, we don't pay attention. We don't care, blah, blah, blah. And maybe Joe doesn't, but Joe's 33 years old. And so he's a family guy. He's he, Joe might as well be 55 for the way he's living his life. You know what I mean? I he's do, got I... three kids. He goes home. He does the things that middle-aged dudes do. But I think Mitchell and O'Neal, these guys are on social media constantly. George Niang. So they hear this stuff. So this was a mini, little bit of a mini test. And they passed it.
0: And I think it always comes down to that in the NBA. You're going to lose games, but how how many do you lose? How deep is the valley? How, and when you're rolling, how long do you stay up on the mountaintop? And that is Always a question that never changes. And you brought up that Laker loss to Detroit, you know, and you're still in touch with people in L.A. You know people that cover the team. You know people that root for the team. You're texting with them. You're calling, calling them. You're reading their stuff. So you're pretty in tune with that. And the loss to Detroit... Uh, and it's odd that it's the same Piston team, right? It wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't about the loss to Detroit. It was because now they're 3-3 three and three over six games. And okay. now they lost back-to-back. And the funny thing is, how many people thrive on just a, like, a little bit of conflict? Because does anyone remember when they went 3-3 three and three during the regular season on the way to the championship a year ago? I mean, they probably did. I'd have to go look it up. You know, it's even though it happened, it's not that big a deal. But things have been so good for so long in Lakerland that that, as minor as it was, that was a crisis. I lost okay, back-to-back yeah. games in three out of six.
3: Sure. Yeah. We're, we're playing like a
0: 500 team. What is it? Well, okay, Anthony uh-huh. Davis just missed the last game. But I'd have to go and look and see how many he missed in the previous five. I know he missed the Detroit game. You know, so... And, and that's uh, with the Jazz, because you don't have as much postseason success. I mean, the Lakers just won the championship, and the Jazz went out in the first round. So... Every little thing actually matters. And you're right. The social media thing is there, and they do know what people see, and they are checking their mentions, or they know what people are saying, and they're checking their mentions. But it is important that, okay, you lost a game, and they shot the lights out, and maybe you didn't compete as hard as you should have for the first 24 minutes, but you can't let it become, you know, two in a row and three out of six. Avoid that. I mean, you're pros. That's what you're getting paid for. Go win the next one. And they came out at the start of the game like it really mattered, and they were sharp. They didn't, they didn't, it didn't get sloppy until they had the 23-point halftime lead. Right. But it's like Quinn said, you, wanna, you want to keep playing the same way and build a 40- or 50-point lead, but that doesn't happen very often. You know, you know the other team's coming back a little bit. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. Joe's coming up next. Stay with us. The Big, Show. the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
4: We found out what happens when Rudy Gobert actually has a bad game, and it doesn't happen often. The way that Denver plays its offense through Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's essentially a point center. There's no other team in the league that plays that way. Like the old Mountain West football days, Nikola Jokic is Rudy's Air Force, where <laughs> Rudy has to totally play a different way on defense against Nikola Jokic and no one else.
14: This is easier said than done. I get that, but you got a crowd, you. Jokic, and you can't go for all his ball fakes. He's going to make you pay for that. And both Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors fell victim to that. Catch the Big
1: Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah! This is The Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah
0: Jazz. Jingle bells!
1: Joe Ingles.
13: Gives it back to Joe, to the cop, slams it in.
1: And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (coughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ, PK... And it is time to welcome in Joe Ingalls. Joe, good morning.
15: Good morning. It should be welcome Joe and his friends and his little friend, <laughs> DJ and PK. <Pico. laughs>
0: Your <Shorter>. assistants. <laughs> Uh, the Joe Ingle Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. Well, Joe, I we always talk about it's nice if you can win before you come on because it's so much more fun and you're in a better mood. Was well, there any point in that Detroit game where you thought it was going to get away and 28 points no. went no. down to four no. and they had the ball? No. <laughs> that a kid. I
15: mean, um, no, I mean, it's – I've said it a million times and, and it probably – it probably is is more this year than than any other previous years. I, I mean, we're playing we're playing against NBA teams. There's really good players on every team, um, and even more this year. I mean, we've obviously got probably more of a target on our back with our record and the way we've been playing and the streak we had and all that. Obviously, teams know the level that, that we're playing at, and, and and teams and players and individuals and coaches are ready for us so um i mean as you guys know no lead in the nba is really that safe um until kind of the end of the game but um yeah i mean it's we we're going to get every team's best shot and um it's a good thing for our group we kind of learn i don't think we weren't focused or anything last night in, in patches I think we I mean, I mean they got more physical at one point and, and made some shots we missed some shots in a row and, and they went on a little run and I mean a lot of it's um, a game of runs and we were able obviously kind of with withheld that and we, we were lucky that we played well early on as well to get that lead but um, yeah another another good win against a, a good kind of competitive team.
3: I think that's a real important point. You know, you have the best record in the league today. You didn't have it yesterday, but you had it a couple days before that. But the point being, you are one of the better teams in the league, and guys in the league know who those teams are. So what does this team need to do to make sure that it's matching the intensity because you are going to get everybody's best shot now?
15: Yeah. I mean, it's easy from a kind of competitive standpoint because regardless of who we're playing, or our record, or whatever it is, we obviously want to win as many games as possible. So, um, as a as a player and a competitor, and um, it, it's really not that hard. I, I think it's there's different times and games and situations where you, you you're more tired or, or whatever with with the schedule, and you've you've got to kind of find a find another level to to help kind of pick you up a little bit. But uh, I, I mean, I've said it this year a few times where we've got this kind of extra motivation to just keep getting better and better and we we want to (laughs) just we want to win as many games as possible and that's we're going to win ugly we're going to win pretty sometimes we're going to have games that are close we're going to have 30 point leads at times it's going to be all different situations and I think we've kind of had a lot of them already in the first 20-odd games, and and we've been able to handle the majority of them apart from a couple kind of early on. So, um, yeah, just staying kind of that that competitive keep-getting-better mindset. Like I said, we'll we'll just keep finding different ways to win. Different guys are going to step up, different guys are going to play well at different times, and um, we've just got to be ready. Like you said, we've got to be ready for everyone's best shot. They're going to be they're going to be ready for us, whether it's they get to play against Rudy or they get to play against Donovan or because of our record or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, we've, we've got to be switched on every night.
0: You know, I thought, and, and I know you can be a little self-deprecating, you know, you were fortunate and you played well early, but I, I didn't think it was an accident. I thought it it probably, there's a little urgency after the Denver game, but I thought you guys were really sharp and crisp early on. Guys were cutting hard with a purpose, and nobody was passing up open shots. Guys, if they were open, they were taking it and, and largely making it. How much did you feel a little sense of urgency because of just a single loss in the last 12 games?
15: For sure. No, I don't think you ever want to, like, overthink it or, or, like, one loss doesn't make us a, a bad team or one win doesn't make us a, the, the best team ever. Like, it's finding that balance of, of what what we need to do each day to, to keep getting better and better. And, um, I mean, you look at that Denver game, and obviously we didn't play great more on the defensive end. I think we still had 120 points or something like that. We still... We still scored the ball, um, even though we didn't shoot as well as we thought, or, or whatever it was. But it was a few things defensively that we we obviously could have done better, giving up one thirty, whatever it was, one hundred thirty or whatever it was. So, um, you, you don't overthink it. We, we, I don't think no one was kind of down in the dumps or, or anything. But yeah, it just makes you. I mean, it makes you want to play right away. We, we probably could have played. A game right after that Denver game and probably beat anybody. Like you, you just feel that urge to, to want to get out there and fix the mistakes you had. And like you, you think of obviously yourself, or what you could have done more. And uh, I think the guys were were, were just excited. Obviously, the, it was only one game, but just to, to get back home again, play in front of our, our fans um, or, or the, the fans that we can have in there, and um, knew it was a, an important game before we we obviously head head out today again on another little trip.
3: So you talk about playing right away. You look at February. There's 28 days. you got 14 games. There's nothing you can do about it because you're going to have to play those games either way. But what do you think about that as far as this many games in such a short duration? I know you have to embrace it, but you feel like you're physically prepared for it?
15: Yeah, and I think what helps our team, and um, there's probably not a lot of teams, but we are so deep as well. We've seen, obviously, different nights that different guys have been out for, for whatever reasons, and, and Mie's come in, uh, Juan's come in. We, we've had different guys um, have to come in and kind of play play different roles. I've gone and started and played more minutes or whatever the situation is. So, um, no, I think, I mean, I don't want to look into the future too far, but I'm sure at some point in those games guys minutes or fouls or, or or fatigue like whatever it is depending on the situation it, 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 we've got the luxury to be able to throw 12 guys however many guys coach needs to throw out there to give give more rest or, or depending on the situation so we're, we're pretty lucky with that um and like you said i mean obviously we don't get a choice you, you get the schedule you're given and you you figure it out around that and we're, uh, on the other side of that too. We're also really lucky that we've got, obviously I'm biased, very biased, but we've got the best medical and health team, we've got one of the best facilities with recovery and all that. So it's our guys are super professional with, with staying on top of the, the things we need to do to be obviously as close to 100% and, and healthy and non-fatigued as, as possible.
0: Joe Ingles joining us on the Joe Ingles Show. His little assistant's happy to be able to pop in just for a minute (laughs) while Joe's greatness is on display. And, Joe, here's something, especially this year, I really don't know how this operates because the NBA's changing so much with all the COVID rules. So you go on the road here, and you're going to play Atlanta. Now, you'd seen Detroit before, so at least you had a previous game of experience against them. But you haven't seen Atlanta. Normally, you'd have a practice you'd get on the plane, but you're playing so many games, Quinn may not want to practice – And then normally you'd have a shoot-around, but I know with the testing and early in the morning, that gets hard to do. So what is the prep? How do you know, hey, these are their guys, these are a couple of their favorite sets and what they like to do. These guys have these tendencies. Where do you get all that info? Because I can't imagine Quinn's letting you fly blind, but I can't imagine you're prepping like you normally do either.
15: Uh, First thing is, you're incorrect. We have played Atlanta already. Um, but we haven't played Charlotte and, and whatever. But that was what I meant. Um, Bigger
0: picture, Joe. Sorry, I screwed up your show.
15: <laughs> um, and the other thing that you said, which is is correct, is Quinn will not let us go in underprepared. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's a it, it's a fine balance of kind of figuring it out. And Quinn's told us kind of from the start of the year and different times throughout the year that that, that he'll pick and choose when we when we. Or when he thinks it's necessary to have a shoot around, or or not. Obviously, Um, like you said, I mean, today we fly at 11 or something like that. We've got to test. Like I I went in and tested at 7:30 this morning to then be able to take Miller to school and then get home for a little bit before obviously taking off again. So
0: it's it's different
15: routines. Um, Like you said, same on the road. Like we have to test and get our results back before we can leave our rooms. So we have to walk down to like a, a ballroom or whatever, do our test, go back to our room until we get our results back. And then we can go to shoot around. So like you said, it's like, if we have a 10 o'clock shoot around, it takes a couple of hours to do our test. They've got to go to an offsite, um, usually to the other team's facility or whatever, to run the tests, which depending on where you are in the city, it could take hours. Like if you're in a bigger city, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. I, I think, again, we 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 do have a veteran and, and professional team that um, knows teams, knows players. We get a lot of stuff through, um, like, Zoom or email or whatever. Like, they'll text us slides of players or, or teams. Um, a part of it is also, obviously, us just knowing the teams and players as well. I think we... You've been... A lot of our guys, main guys... Um, I mean, even the the younger guys have been in a couple of years now, so so you do know guys' tendencies a little bit more. And um, the one thing I guess we can do all the time is we can we can watch film kind of anywhere, really. Um, we can watch it via Zoom if we have to. Um, I think LA or something was a rule. I don't know if the rule's still there, but when we first went to LA, you could only have ten guys in a room, at, or like the capacity of ten people in a room. So that's kind of half our team. So we, we did it different ways. And I guess one of the things we've embraced this year is just being very fluid with the the scheduling and and what can happen and not. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, and I can reiterate Quinn is definitely not going to let us go in under prepared. So we, we figure it out each trip and each game, what the best way to prepare is. And, um, we've been really good at just kind of locking in on those like smaller details of what that stuff, um, Really means in a, in a year like this, like I said, you can't go to shoot around and walk through plays. So making sure we lock in on a film session so that we are as prepared as we can going into a, a game.
3: So I'm not going to ask you to brag on yourself because after seven years, I know that's a waste of time. You are now the <laughs> franchise record holder and three pointers made rather than just talk about that. What I do want to ask you is, what does it mean to you? As you, you're not done yet, obviously, but at this point, to make a vital contribution to the franchise. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty crazy. I I
15: haven't honestly thought about it too much, and uh, me and Renee and I have spoken a le- about it a little bit at home and stuff, but it was just kind of like that. Like I mean, seven years ago, there was there was zero te- well one team obviously, but at the time, zero teams that wanted me. And the the Millers, Dennis and and Quinn, um, obviously gave me a chance and and brought me in here. And obviously, I'll be forever grateful for for the Millers and and the front office and Quinn, obviously, um, to to give me that chance because I was uh, what a uh, twenty four hours away from. Getting on a flight and going back to to Australia and playing in the NBL probably, um, so obviously very very lucky and I, and I obviously realise that, that that the opportunity they gave me and then to to have a coach um, I've talked about obviously Quinn a lot um, throughout my years on here and and not how good he is as a coach and all that but just how good a person he is too to he genuinely cares obviously not just about me, about every player that's been here in some capacity for however long they've been here. He's taken the time to get to know them and and puts in that effort, and it it makes you want to do everything you can to play for the guy, and he cares about us. He asks about Renee and the kids more than he asks about how I'm feeling. So to have a coach that's like that and then with all that, it it obviously makes you want to repay him and the franchise, and, and for me it was... I've said it before, I was on that non guaranteed and I was was not gonna let that kind of slip up and, and let that go and I was obviously lucky to make the team and then sign a two year deal and um I guess again kinda of lucky through a little bit of luck with, with injuries and stuff, um I got thrown in the starting five for a finals or my first playoff series and we beat the Clippers, we go on this little run, um and it's just kind of the evolution kind of every year has been something a little bit different but um honestly I've every day every game practice whatever it is I've really just tried to obviously give everything I possibly can to to try and repay the millers the the franchise for, for the opportunity they gave me so um I mean seven years ago I never would have thought I mean I never thought I would have been here still to be honest with you um but to 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 then break a record and then obviously for it to be a record held by a guy that was here for so long and it is it is the Utah Jazz when you you think of the franchise, so, um, yeah, pretty special. I, I like I said, I haven't overthought about it. this. is Probably the most I've talked about it since it happened. Um, probably in the the future years coming up, I'll, I'll think about it more. But I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest. Donovan's going to steal it off me and. Uh, I already said as soon as as soon as Donovan makes like a bunch of threes in a game, I'm going to blast him in the media and say that he's selfishly <laughs> just doing it to take my record. Uh, um, no, it's a, I mean it is an honor. Like I, I'm slightly proud, um, and like you said, I don't. I don't really like talking about myself too much, but it is it is something that's pretty cool that I, I honestly never thought would happen. So yeah, a massive, obviously a massive thanks to. To the Millers again and, and Dennis and Quinn and and the fans who were yelling at me to shoot when I was twenty feet open in my first year and I was scared to shoot. Um, but yeah, we got there.
0: So let's ask you more to let's ask you to brag about yourself on some more since you since you're already in a role and you're in the groove. But I think this is important. I think this is important and PK will say this till he's blue in the face, but you have more stature than PK and I combined by a mile and a half, so maybe it'll mean more coming from you. But PK worked with people who've made it very big in the media, and he remembers when they were answering phones, taking in high school scores, like the lowest level entry job, and now they work for ESPN and they're big shots, right? And and the fact that you have to work all the time, you said you were lucky and fortunate, and I don't doubt that you were, but I also think there's a foundation of hard work in there. What do you think you did in Spain or in Israel that caught Quinn's eye when he was coaching overseas or caught the eye of an international scout and matched something to Dennis or that Dennis saw on film, or I don't know, maybe he was over there and saw yourself, that made them want to call you after the Clippers cut you because there had to be something like, and you're okay, you're tall and you got a long arm. So you got that. But what do you think you <laughs> did? Hey, they look for that. If you'd been six one, you might not have gotten the call, you know, sure. but you're not. So you got it, but there still had to be something you did that caught their eye or they wouldn't have called you when you were down in the dumps in l a and you were waiting on Renee to uh to fly into town
15: yeah i mean it, um honestly I don't know. it'd be it'd be a good question to one day i wouldn't I wouldn't want to know the answer right now while i'm while I'm still playing for him but um I mean, it'd be something that i would' I'd love to to talk to them about when my career's over like what, what exactly was it um I think a part of it like when you uh, I've talked about this with you guys before like every team I mean you've got your couple of superstars and, and apart from that really it's like finding role players that fit into a specific role for, for that group and um, I think for me I think Knowing, I don't know, knew Quinn before I came here, but playing against him, he, he he was in Russia while I was in Barcelona, and playing against him, so he would have seen me play a fair bit. And, um, uh, I think that, it, like I, I honestly think they they knew. Uh, I think they saw something there. Like I, I, I feel like there was. Um, maybe some potential or whatever they saw. Obviously, I was a bit older, but something that, that they thought they could work with that could, could keep growing and, and getting better. And oh, I felt like I had that in myself. I just never thought I was in the right situation to, to really keep getting better. I was, I, I played for massive teams and great teams and won a lot, but I was, I mean, I was barely playing. Like, I'm not ashamed to say that. Like, I was. I was barely playing. I played a role. Uh, I did what I'm similar to what I, I have done here. Like I played a, a smaller role than what I have here, but I played a role in Europe and um coming here, it was like the same kind of thing. Like I, I had to fit in, I had to find a role. Uh, I think they, they, like I said, they saw something that they could work with. Um But I think Quinn also knew that whatever he was going to ask me to do, I was going to try and do. And for you yeah, whatever I was that first year or two, like 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever position spot on the roster you want to say, uh, I think you knew regardless of minutes or whatever, I was going to come to practice and do what I had to do. Uh, if I got an opportunity, I was obviously going to do my best. And, and at the end of the day, I wanted to win. And, and I think Quinn, as we've seen, has built a winning culture at this franchise and not that they hadn't had it in the past, but those the first few years I got here, we were winning 20 games or whatever. And, and it's hard to win the NBA. And I think he, he, he could have felt that I could help that and, and help be a leader in that, even though probably 75% of the locker room had no idea who I was when I first got here. Um, and like I said, again, I, I when I got here, I, I just felt like I had to repay them and, um, that's been kind of my mindset of just being locked in and, and trying to give them everything I can every night. And I mean, you guys know I've played some really crappy games and I've played some great games. Um, but I've, I've tried to leave it all out there every night and, and try and not entertain the fans, but give the fans a, a good show and let them enjoy the game and, and play to, to the highest level I can. And, um, like I said, it's it's been a good road. Like this is my retirement speech, but um, <laughs> it's been it's been really fun. And again, I mean, I never would have thought I would still be in this position. I never thought, honestly, like breaking a record. Like uh, I, Quinn, Quinn's been a big part of it. Quinn, Quinn's been a, a huge part of my development of of getting me to this level and and giving me the confidence to play at this level. Like I was, I mean. Quinn have talked about it. like I was down in the dumps in Europe. Like I was, I was ready to just go back to the NBL and play in Australia because I was just kind of miserable and I, I didn't really want to play that badly. Um, and I mean, Quinn was Quinn's completely kind of turned that that feeling around, and now I feel like I could play forever. Like I, I feel like if he was my coach, I would just keep on finding a way to, to be effective.
0: Well, we'd love to have you brag on yourself some more, Joe. But you got to go. I know that, so we'll let you go. Thanks for coming yeah, on, and we'll to talk, talk to you my again
15: maybe before I get on this plane. And you guys are asking me all these the most serious questions you've ever asked me
13: seven years later. <laughs> oh,
0: don't get used to it. I got a bunch of Valentine's Day questions for you next week. <laughs> oh
13: Jesus.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Might Joe. Skip next week. Thanks, God. <laughs> All right. Joe Ingalls joining us here on 975 and 1280 the zone. And you know, PK, if I if I had to guess, it's one of the things that you spotted in him right away, and I think it's something he had, is that uh, he was thinking the game a couple steps ahead and he could pass the ball. They knew he could shoot it. And they knew he was a willing passer and that before the ball hit his hands, he knew where it wanted to go. You know, And he had some size, so why not take a flyer and see what he can do?
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. You've got to give – if it's it's Quinn Snyder who was the uh, leader of it or, or Dennis Lindsay, I'm not sure who it was, but whoever it was, you've got to recognize them for seeing something there because – You know, it's obvious uh, you need stars, but you also need very, very good role players, and plus you need those guys who have a desire to win, and that's the great thing about Joe is you know, he sets this record for threes and it's probably going to be broken at some point because threes are being taken way more and Stockton would have had more if he played today, but that's not really the point. It's the point isn't that he's got the record for most threes. The point is that he's making a valuable contribution. That's the point that I was trying to drive home in whatever manner it is, and because he's a great assist guy, too, and he's obviously not going to break Stockton's record there. But here's a kid who was taken off the scrap heap, and now he's developed, and you really have to credit the organization for seeing that because it's a special talent to be able to figure that out, and they put him in a place to succeed. The mark of great coaching is putting guys in the best position individually to succeed, and clearly that testimony that Joe just gave of Quinn Snyder, Quinn Snyder is doing that.
0: And it's not just Joe, right? They did it with Royce. Sure. They've done it yeah. with George Niang. A right. little different with uh, Rudy, but they've done it with Rudy too. Um, mm-hmm. You know. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio analyst, former BYU and Utah hoop staff member, coming up next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. Want to remind you, the Valentine's Day is not far away. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Just had Joe Ingalls on. Tim LaCombe's coming up here in a minute. John Clayton will be here at 930 30. John Clayton used to be on ESPN now with the Washington Post and 710 ESPN in Seattle. PK, is there a better example of how technology has changed everything? Can you imagine coming up and knowing that someone had one job in Washington DC and another job in Seattle? And now you just look at it and think, well, of course he does. <laughs> Everything's changed.
3: Oh, for sure, yeah. And if you're going to cover the league, you know, that's what you're doing. He's not I don't think he's covering an individual team, but covering the league. So he becomes a variable asset because of his uh, knowledge that he has yeah. in the league. Yeah. And, and it's cool that 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 you can do that. It's great. We were talking about that yesterday with uh, Arizona football hiring Teddy Bruschi, and he's going to be in Massachusetts, but he can do a lot of work remotely, and obviously he'll come to Tucson from time to time, but he can be in Massachusetts and help his alma mater, which clearly has sucked in football. and. You know, I'm not expecting them to be SC or Oregon, but I do believe they can be way better. There's no way they should be losing to their rival by 63 points. Yeah, they probably
0: need to knock that off. That's probably going to get a few more people fired if it keeps up, now, well, which with, I
3: don't mind.
0: <laughs> no, you don't. You're fine with it, but <laughs> there's no reason yeah. their donors, their boosters, their season ticket oh, holders, oh no, would be they, fine they with should it. be outraged. Yeah, right. uh,
3: no doubt about it. And with that in mind. Uh, I don't know if it's a direct uh, correlation, but the Sun Devils have just announced that their athletic director has received a raise uh, and to like $900,000 covering through the next five years a year, and he gets like a $500,000 bonus. And this pandemic and all this stuff, it just doesn't really apply. Good to be at the top of the food chain. Except they're not.
0: (laughs) No, I meant him. (laughs) Did people in that department get laid off and furloughed? I don't know that. I don't know it either. I assume they did because there were such massive losses uh, everywhere when the NCAA basketball tournament didn't happen and then when the football season got cut in half. uh, Maybe they didn't. Maybe they had some way to get through it without those.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't answer that question. Uh, But, you know, they really haven't done anything startling. I mean, they're – their Olympic sports have always been good and all that stuff, as they are in most of the teams in the conference. Uh, you know, Obviously, men's golf is really good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in you know, Phoenix, so. <laughs> go figure.
3: Yeah, so uh, we understand those types. And the track, they've had so many Olympians who've done track and field yeah. there.
0: And the yeah, women's well, golf true. is good too. They just won an NCAA title. I yeah, don't know yeah, where yeah, it Was recently, and,
3: and, and it and it should be. I mean, it's really no big surprise. But it's I about
0: football it and men's basketball. And the football team has been a little above average. Although he gets a lot of credit for the hire. there's certainly a lot of enthusiasm. You know, there are teams that go eight and five, and the, and the vibe around the program is, bleh, you know, just nothing. And whereas the vibe around the ASU program is probably better than the results. You know you know they, you can only sell it for so long at some point you got to have the results I know. but while you're still in that gray area how you sell it matters and they're, they're they are they well. give him
3: a massive raise a $500,000 bonus and, and increase increase $100,000 in a 5-year deal and Herm Edwards is 0 and 2 against Colorado <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably got to figure that out
3: and 1 and 2 against uh, UC Los Angeles and 1 and 2 against SC Ah oh, well UCLA's so. down too I know. Well, Colorado isn't exactly the '92 uh, Chicago Bears.
0: <laughs> the '92 Bears <laughs> sounded good. Yeah, okay, we'll go with we'll go with that then. <laughs> the '92 Bears. Now I'm going to look up the '92 Bears and see how good they were. They're like six and ten. <laughs> Everybody's gone.
3: They didn't have Ditka and Buddy Ryan then. I don't know. No, those guys <laughs> were
0: done in '92. Come on.
3: Whatever it was, they were Nope, Ditka was there. I I stand corrected. Well, I mean, yesterday I got ripped for bringing up Steve Young to Jerry Rice. I thought that was in the community's wheelhouse. I could have done Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, but I didn't think that would have near as much buzz as Steve Young to Jerry Rice. Yeah, well, there you go.
0: The 30-somethings don't remember it, and they're going to rip you. So that's that's the name of that game. I thought I was
3: selling something that this community wanted to buy.
0: Uh, you know, 50-year-old fan would absolutely buy that. But I don't know that it resonates with 30-year-old fan. You know, Steve Young's winning the Super Bowl, and they're 4 or 5, and they don't know about the whole journey. I so. know, but
3: I figure BYU fans know about him, though, don't they?
0: <laughs> He's their
3: guy, isn't he? Isn't he the best and most popular former athlete at BYU in all time? it would be interesting,
0: Uh, you know, because someone like Jimmer is more, you know, Jimmer's wildly popular and he's more recent. So do people vote for him? Because there is a a segment
3: they can't remember Steve. It It doesn't doesn't matter whether you remember him or not. I didn't remember Babe Ruth. And and still, I know about Babe Ruth, right? And but is voted Steve for... Young, the Babe Ruth of BYU? But a
0: young you would have voted. Would you have voted for Babe Ruth as your favorite player? Or Reggie Jackson, because you got Reggie's autograph.
3: And I did, yeah, just because my mother made me. I know. I didn't. I don't care about that.
0: Now, in know. retrospect, he's a Sun Devil. You just didn't know at that point that Sun Devils were going to matter to you.
3: <laughs> I did not. No, I did not. We were still living back east. I did not. I had no idea. On that, That's for sure. But no, no, no. I mean, I would still go Willie Mays was for oh, me was my God. And I never even saw him play. He was done. Yeah. So it's, it's, it doesn't matter whether you see him or not. We're talking about Steve Young. Plus, Steve Young is still in the news today. Yep. He's on TV. Right. And so it's like he's never gone away. Yes, he stopped to stop playing. Everybody understands that, and we'll have an opportunity possibly to Steve to talk to Steve at the end of the week, uh, but I would think that because of his, especially with BYU, with the Latter-day Saint connection, and he literally has the name of the founder or, or whatever the name is, not the founder, but the school was named after, and so to me, Steve, when you say the name Steve Young, it will always be relevant.
0: Uh, he's BYU royalty. There's no doubt about that.
3: I think he's the top. I don't think there's anyone above him.
0: Yeah, not being here, then, uh, you know, Jim McMahon. Man, there are people who love Jim.
3: Fine, but not above not Steve above. Young. Not above. No, and you can love Jim Young or Jim McMahon all you want. And greatness. I never saw him play, but I've talked to so many people who said he was unbelievable. And, and to this day, believe he was the best BYU quarterback of all time. Yep. And I... I have to take their word for it. and literally never saw him play one play live. Now, I've seen that holiday bowl 5,000 times, <laughs> but I did not see it. And, you know, the legend of him kicking the, the uh, uh, special teams off the punt team off the field, and I had no knowledge of that at the time, but now I feel like I was sitting <laughs> in the box seats on the 50-yard line for all the times I've heard and seen the replays. But I still think Steve Young is – the be-all end-all when it comes to BYU former athletes. I, I, I just I really don't see how you can argue that.
0: Hey Yak, well, we've been talking football here. It's, it is signing day. It has none of the buzz of signing day, none of the juice. But it is signing day. Has anything happened for the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies? <laughs> it's anything?
8: Essentially, a gigantic tumbleweed tumbling across the. <laughs> That's frontier. what it is. <laughs> well, because Utah has pretty much maxed out their twenty-five initials. They did that in the early signing period. And even with the if transfers. you have one or two, you're always you're you're worried about back. the transfer portal. So yeah. you gotta. And then BYU yeah. essentially is. They might may, may announce later today the the return missionaries who are coming into the program, but nothing in terms of high school guys, et cetera, signing it. All right. like. so
0: we'll see if the new staff of the
8: Aggies are yeah. going to say anything later I know, today. I know, I know Weber has announced a couple of things this morning, but that's to be expected. They've kind of been holding back,
3: I'm sure. Any but, local got, guys
8: who would resonate or somebody that's getting out of California? I, some locals, some out of the Intermountain West
3: Well, and then well. when you get some of our local guys, uh, see in 2023.
8: Well, okay, so actually I was looking at BYU's incoming return missionaries, just doing some research for the podcast I do. There's a guy that signed in with BYU in 2017, and he's finally enrolled at BYU in 2021. It's
3: about time. Yeah, so, I mean, you get the missions going on there. You know, you don't even know who's going to be available. And then if you're like me, unless it's a big-time quarterback, you forget about him.
0: Well, Uh, the good news is that whoever that is, and I I don't – seriously, off the top of my head, I have no idea who it is. Maybe when I hear it, I'll know. But uh, I may remember the name. Does
8: the name Isaac Matua sound familiar?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Kearns High School. Oh, for sure. Watching him <laughs> play weekly. Bought season tickets to the Kearns Owls that year. <laughs> Kearns <Kerns> Owls.
0: owls. <laughs> the Cougars. I don't think we have any owls. Do we have an owl? That's an animal that should be... I don't uh, think so, but we uh, should well, have one new those. schools should yeah. be the owls. That's unused. <laughs> I mean, Rice has it, but what
3: does that matter? So does Temple. Yep, it's true. I was thinking of Well, you guys may not have signed anybody, but today... We signed the highest-rated prospect in our class. I want you to remember the name of a cornerback, Isaiah Johnson, brothers and sisters.
8: Okay, well, we got one that just came across from Weber State that may resonate a little bit. Creighton Cooper, uh, younger brother of Cammon Cooper, Mm -hmm. who's at Washington State, just signed with the Wildcats out of Lehigh. Okay, there you go.
3: All right. Is he a mission kid or no?
8: Uh, Cammon did not go on a mission. I do not know the status for Creighton. And is he a quarterback too? He's a quarterback as well. Correct, three-star prospect. Oh, cool. Jay Hill with another score. All
0: right. Well, if anything really interesting happens, well, we'll let you know. And it is pretty early, so uh, it may be more of a, a hands and Scotty well, thing by the team. People get time. People get listening. No, actually, it I don't.
3: I don't think it is because if you go like the signing day, they start sending stuff out at seven in the morning their local time. Kyle Whittingham predicted this. Yes, he, he did. said this. Uh, two, three years ago, that the February signing date will be virtually obsolete. And he said that the very first year, at the time, that it wasn't obsolete. And he's turned out, in just a short span of time, to be absolutely 100% correct. It is all about the December signing period.
0: DJ PK and Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio analyst, joining us here real quick here for a couple minutes. Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. Tim, we want to hit you with the question of the day. What's your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order? You're doing pre, half, and post. So other people can turn off a game in Denver when they get disgusted or a game versus Detroit because they think it's completely in hand. But you're butt sitting in that studio chair watching every minute of every game. So what's your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order?
14: Uh, Can you just drill down on restore order? What does that mean?
0: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Was uh, your confidence uh shaken to any level with the loss? Maybe you don't think there was any order to restore that it was just the natural order things you're bound to lose and someone was going to have a hot shooting night and you were you were going to lose your edge one night and you were going to lose a game. So maybe you don't Got think you. maybe you don't think order needed to be restored.
14: No, I didn't think I was kind of more in that camp um, you know while it was obviously you hey, hate losing to Denver arrival and everything else it's uh It was one that really kind of looked on the schedule like it may be a tough one, just given all the circumstances. You know, Donovan and Fabers getting broken back into the lineup after two games out, you know, that always does a little bit of something to rhythm regardless of or irregardless of, you know, Uh your intentions. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, that afternoon game after a, a home game, you know, to jump on the road and go out and play that thing. Uh, for an early start, you don't have a ton of those during the season, so that was another one that kind of I thought may be a little snafu for them. Um, but really what it took was a totally dominating shooting night from Denver, and I think it really did have more to do with Denver than the Jazz. Uh-
3: I know you were associated with that great Utah program at a time that it was on top. And Majoris used to talk about this and, and working for the newspaper and being there, I saw it. I saw the excitement that every arena would have when the Utes played. Can you speak to the idea? Cause we had Joe Enos talking about it a little bit. Now, Jazz is the best record in the league. And they're fighting for the best record and probably going to fight for the best record all season. So they're not a surprise. And and teams and guys know who's good, who isn't. So the point being that they're going to get everybody's best shot. Now, what do the Jazz need to do to match it? Because clearly Denver was fired up for that game and it got away from the Jazz a little bit right from the start.
14: Yeah, I think, I mean, it, that is a, a difference, but I think for the most part, you know, the Jazz have been viewed as a winning program, a winning organization for a long time, and um, it, it's one that, you know, as opposed to somebody you can kind of sneak up on, the Jazz really can't sneak up on anybody, haven't been able to for a while, um, you know, for whatever reason, it's a team that people, um, you know, really see, well, I guess just on the history, see, see success for a long time, so um you know i think it's something that you know if the jazz are chasing the best record in the league it's a great dialogue to have and and hopefully you know teams are up to play them because that means uh things are going well for them
0: so there seems to be a thing that uh happens on this team where uh guys are so unselfish they pass up open shots and i've I've slowly over the last, I don't know, couple of weeks, really come to use that as the barometer of how well they're playing. I, I think when they're playing better, like they really get the first open shot and let it fly. And if that's on a two-on-two break, so be it. And if that's four seconds into a shot clock, well, that's the way it goes. If no one else gets to touch the ball in that possession, I don't care. But the, when, they, when they pass up an open shot and they get deeper into the clock, it seems like things kind of gum up and jam up. And sometimes it works out. Most of the time, it ends up being a problem. Are you seeing that, or am I up in the night?
14: No, I totally agree. In fact, last night, the you know when Detroit pulled that thing back and got close, you know the way the Jazz broke that game was off two plays: one in transition to Boyan, obviously had a a tip dunk, you know during that run, and then a Boyan again from the corner in a half court set to seal it. And I think the combination of all those was, you know, right shot, right time. My first one was in transition. The second one was after a set. Uh, they ran a great set, by the way. So this up ball screen uh, put Boyan in the opposite corner. And Rudy came in and pinned in the help, which was for the skip pass, which was just it was a great design and perfect execution. And Boyan made the shot. Um, I think what's great with this team is that there's all sorts of different ways to score, but I agree with you. When you see a guy pass up an open shot, which doesn't happen as much as maybe we thought last year, um, they probably aren't going to get as good a look as the shot clock runs down.
3: Joe's also talking about Quinn, and I think the essence of coaching is putting your guys in position to succeed. Then it's up to them to go succeed. We saw that. Well, Majerus was good about it. We saw that with Dave Rose, giving Jimmer all that success. You know, I think Dave was the perfect coach for him at the time to allow Jimmer to do what he does. Speak to Quinn Snyder's ability to maximize the talents of the players he has.
14: I've got a ton of respect for it. Um, you know, having, like DJ said, you know, my my can's in the seat <laughs> the entire game uh, an hour before, an hour after. So you see a lot and you hear a lot. And, um, I think the things that are the most impressive to me, another one was brought up in the post game last night. Um, somebody asked Quinn about offensive rebounding. And, um, you know, it really fits with what this team wants to do. They want to find better, more efficient, and easier ways to score. Um, and they're rebounding the ball offensively really well this year. And I think a big reason is, you know, they're using the scattering report to see how people block out. Um, see who leaks out and see those as opportunities and maybe you go co- steal an extra possession. Um, they're use, utilizing, the, I guess, the Euro foul and transition to slow down breaks um, when they can. And so I think that's just another level that coupled with his, like you talked about, DJ's, you know, he's allowing the guys to play with more freedom and, and score quicker in the shot clock. I think he just sees that he's got a really versatile lineup with a ton of shooting, really like a, an embarrassment of riches in, shoot, in the shooting department um, compared to the rest of the league. I mean, Detroit last night, if we had a sh- three-point shooting contest, you know, that thing would have been over in the first five minutes. Um, so he just – he does. He utilizes his strength. He plays to it. Um, and I, I really it's, – it's hard as a coach to get something – that in a certain way to play, and then tweak that and change it, um, even though things are working pretty well, to try to find something better. And I feel like that's what Quinn's done.
0: Since you stopped coaching at BYU, you've let the hair get longer, you let the facial hair go. I didn't recognize you famously at a golf tournament until you know it was a double take before I realized, hey, wait, that's Tim Lacombe. And I'm wondering, our next guest, and we got to go because John Clayton's going to join us next, but is that awesome. the greatest promo you've ever seen with the the ponytail and the and the pop it oh, on me. dude. right? Is that yeah. you? Is that going to be you in like five years?
14: Probably. I, I mean, this isn't going to end. But I agree. That was so. That was that was one I actually belly laughed when I saw. I don't belly laugh a lot of commercials, but that one got me good. And John Clayton's a legend, by the way.
0: Tim, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Tim Lacombe, Jazz radio studio analyst, pre-half and post-game, and he will be back at it tomorrow with the Jazz playing the Hawks in Atlanta. John Clayton's
4: talking Super Bowl next.
1: The Big, the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
4: We found out what happens when Rudy Gobert actually has a bad game, and it doesn't happen often. The way that Denver plays its offense through Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's essentially a point center. There's no other team in the league that plays that way. Like the old Mountain West football days, Nikola Jokic is Rudy's Air Force, where <laughs> Rudy has to totally play a different way on defense against Nikola Jokic and no one else.
14: This is easier said than done. I get that, but you got a crowd, you. And you can't go for all his ball fakes. He's going to make you pay for that. And both Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors fell victim
1: to that. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ
0: PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by John Clayton. Washington Post, contributing NFL columnist and host on 710 ESPN in Seattle. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Good to have you on. We want to talk some uh, Super Bowl and NFL news with you. And, and let's start with the Super Bowl. This, uh, You know, the quarterbacks are so often the storyline. you got this meeting of uh, generations here. And is it a passing of the baton or a last stand by the GOAT? You know NFL history, is there anything even close to this you can you can go back and point to?
13: I really can't because I mean you've got the old goat and then what might be the new goat in Patrick Mahome's but Brady being the Old goat, and really, when you think about it, you go through the years and the great quarterbacks, a lot of times they were all aligned in the same conferences, like for example, I mean this would be you know like a Peyton manning Tom Brady Super Bowl, which of course obviously couldn't happen because they were both. In the AFC, you go through with like John Elway and Jim Kelly and some of the great quarterbacks from the eighties, they were pretty much aligned in one conference. but to have kind of a matchup like this is so rare because again you know you're talking greatness and Tom Brady obviously with the uh, thirty three pl- playoff wins uh, that's unmatched the fact that he's now in his tenth Super Bowl and now you have a Patrick Mahomes who's in his second Super Bowl, three championship games in the AFC, and a chance to get so much more. So, no, I think this, this is, that adds to the intrigue of this incredible game.
3: There's always a lot of sub, subplots within the game, and Tom Brady's going to steal the attention wherever he goes, and obviously this year it's with the Buccaneers. But I'm wondering what you think of the matchup between – the Kansas City offense and the Tampa Bay defense, because it seems like to a degree that the Tampa Bay defense has sort of been undervalued, and I think it's you know largely maybe to an extent of the star power of Tom Brady.
13: Yeah, it's undervalued because it's so good in the front seven. I mean, the front seven, even with the return of Vita Vea, is uh, just fantastic. And then, of course, they got two great edge rushers in uh, Sh- uh, Shaq Barrett and also uh, having you know, Jay, Jason Pierre-Paul. But the one weakness that they have is in the secondary. Their coverage right now isn't that good. And you go back to the meeting in Week 12 where uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 460 yards. That's, uh, and then your, their best cornerback is Carlton Davis, and Carlton Davis was beaten for over 180 yards, particularly by Tyreek Hill. So that's going to be the one concern. They'll get pressure on the quarterback. They'll stuff the run. But can they cover?
0: John Clayton joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So Eric Fisher tears his Achilles. Uh, Chiefs left tackle. They'd already lost their right tackle. They've, they've had injuries up and down the line throughout the year, which to a certain degree you just got to kind of put up with in the NFL. It's just the way things go. But at the same time, this does seem like it's a lot to handle right here at the end of the season. And you mentioned the edge rushers for the Bucks. Is the Is the Tampa Bay defense going to do – for Brady, what the Giants' front four did to him in those two Super Bowls, can they can they swing this game?
13: They could because what you're looking at is that go go back to the NFC championship game was David Bakhtiari, the left tackle of the Packers. He was out with a knee injury, could not play. And so now you're looking at Eric Fisher with the torn Achilles, and then uh, the right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz, is on injured reserve. So now they're down two tackles. And you saw in that championship game that Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times He had eight quarterback hits on him. And so there's a decent chance that in this game, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to probably survive maybe three or four sacks because you've got Mike Remmers at left tackle now. He was the right tackle fill-in for Schwartz. And they had to take a a guard, uh, Andrew Wiley, and move him to right tackle. And then you look at the fact that that whole offensive line that's going to be on the field, four of the five guys have been at least cut once in their career. But, again, Patrick Mahomes is so good, he can overcome a lot of that. But you know he's going to go down to the ground a few times. Well,
3: when we think of Rob Gronkowski, we think of his you know, possibly best all-time tight end. But you look at his postseason, he's been really quiet. How much do you expect that to change, if any, in the Super Bowl?
13: I think that, and again, it's not that he's been quiet. Uh, it's just that, you know, when you have... Two great receivers like they have, you know, with Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin, you know, that doesn't get the ball much to the tight ends because, and then you got probably Antonio Brown if he is going to be healthy enough, being able to play, and to go a little bit more three wide receivers. We saw different stretches uh, during the season where it's like, you know, when they when they throw the ball to the two wide receivers, it takes away from the tight end. Now that didn't happen in the Week 12 game. Because, you know, Gronk and Cam Brayton had pretty good games. I think they totaled up like about maybe 10 or 11 total passes to them. But I think the likelihood is you're not going to see a lot of the tight ends involved in the passing game. Uh, But mainly, again, that's because when you're throwing the ball to two good wide receivers who are healthy, you know, they take away from the chances to get the ball spread around as much.
0: So Tom Brady uh, is incredible, obviously. Uh, And, you know, the, the touchdown interception ratio is great. But when he did throw picks this year, he threw them in bunches. Uh, he had three against the Saints in one game, two in another. He had three against the Packers in the NFC title game. And he had two when they played the Chiefs earlier this year. Do you think he's going to be turnover-free, or do you think there are turnovers to be had, and that's going to be a big deal for the Chiefs when they get those takeaways? No, I think
13: he's going to have some turnovers because uh, you can see it. You know, The no-biscuit, no risk at offense of Brian, uh, Bruce Arians is one where he wants Brady to throw the ball deep. And <clears throat> when that happens, I mean, you're going to have a tendency to have interceptions. I mean, remember when Brady had the one stretch in the middle of the year where he threw about 27 passes that had air yards of 21 yards or more? <clears throat> he had no touchdowns, no completions, and three interceptions. Well, right now, Brady and Mahomes are the two most active quarterbacks in throwing 21 air yards downfield, like 79 and 76, two of the top three, <clears throat> and so... And when you have the no biscuit, no biscuit, you have the tendency to have a possibility of some interceptions. Now, Brady's been good the second half of the season in getting completions, but still, I think he's still going to have some difficulty. And again, you look at the, what Steve Spagnol has done with the cornerbacks and man coverage, the defensive coordinator. I mean, they've done a really good job of covering. So I think he'll have a couple interceptions. <laughs>
3: Taking big-picture view of what Kansas City's been able to do, we know what they've done. It's remarkable. But looking ahead, you know, you're talking about Holmes. Obviously, he has time on his side. But you look at Roethlisberger, I think he had two Super Bowl titles by the time he was 26. Russell Wilson was in the Super Bowl early and should have won two, obviously. Uh, you know, haven't been able to get the job done since. How can we be – I don't know that sure is the right word, but how can we forecast – that the Chiefs can keep this going, if we tw- if we want to make that argument.
9: Yeah, I mean it
13: is it, going to be difficult, particularly t- because now you know Patrick Mahomes got the big salary, uh, highest paid quarterback, highest paid player in the league, and that takes away a lot of times with the cap from being able to add much in free agency, and causes you sometimes to lose some players. But I think what you're looking at is that the the, the Chiefs are run very well, and when you have the best quarterback and you know, you, you can arguably say that Mahomes might be the best quarterback. So he won't win the MVP. Aaron Rodgers is going to win it, but he's slightly better. I think right now than uh, Rodgers. is that uh, he gives you the opportunity every year to be able to be in the Super Bowl mix. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, that's what happened in new England. So, it's like, but again, it's a difficult thing. But fortunately, Brett Veach, the general manager, does a very good job with the cap and personnel. Andy Reid's as good as there is, as you're going to find as a coach. So they still have the ability to do it. But you're right, it's going to be a challenge to try to keep this run going.
0: So if they're going to keep it going, uh, Tyreek Hill's probably got to play a big role. 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns in the 27 24 win in the regular season matchup. What are the Bucks going to do? to, if not stop him, at least slow him down, because those are outrageous numbers, and they can't let that
13: happen again. Yeah, and if they try to just go cover one with the man coverage with Carlton Davis, it's going to be a big problem, because Carlton's a 4-5-2 guy, and Tyreek Hill's just so fast and even so much better now with his route running that uh, if it's going to be a one-on-one matchup. So I'd have to think they've got to find some way to double him to slow him down. Because he's still going to get his catches. I mean, Patrick Mahomes still is going to be able to do it. But if he – I mean, you saw how bad it was in that Week 12 game with the uh, pass completions to Tyreek over Carlton Davis. He's got to do something. I don't know if he has to go cover two, too, but he's got to do something to double him up.
3: So we saw this week Tom Brady, you know, 45, now beyond 45. I don't want to doubt him. How about you?
13: Uh, you have to think it's going to catch up to him sometimes. I mean, you wondered – particularly at the end of the last two seasons. You know, his downfield throws, which he didn't do too much with New England, you know, were more struggling. Now you've seen them come back. I think he's probably got two more years left, but to think you can continue to 45, 46 years old, I think that's going to be very difficult.
0: There are a couple stories around the league, John, that are catching everybody's attention. How surprised were you that the Rams and Lions pulled off that trade for not elite quarterbacks, but certainly high-level, big-name quarterbacks who'd who been invested in? How surprised were you by that, and, and how much is it going to change those two teams' fortunes? Or did they just exchange problems and ceilings? Well,
13: D- Detroit's not going to be very good, so it's like that doesn't change the fortune of them. <laughs> it gives them the chance to, over a couple of years, build with the – two first-round picks and a third-round pick. You know, the Rams, I mean, as the weeks were going on after the season and after eliminated from the playoffs, you got the idea that Sean McVay was totally fed up with Jared Goff and wanted to move on. And so now uh, he gets a better quarterback in Matthew Stafford. But the problem's going to be they've got $42.2 million tied up in dead money for Goff and $20 million included in the salary for Stafford. And that's going to really hurt their chances of, keeping some of their players in free agency because now they're $35 million over $180 million cap. If that's what it's going to be, that's third worst in the league. And so they're going to have to you know, cut some guys on the offensive line. They're going to have to maybe lose uh, Leonard Floyd, maybe lose John Johnson, their safety. So that's it's going to hurt the overall roster, but it certainly helps the offense and help, gives them a much better quarterback.
3: So the Saints are an interesting team in our market because of Taysom Hill and obviously the connection with BYU. And you looking like Drew Brees is going to step aside. So we're all wondering as far as is Taysom Hill capable of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. What are you hearing?
13: I really question it. I mean, you can see that they want to bring back uh, Jameis Winston. I think there's going to be competition from Chicago and a few other teams as far as Jameis. But I think that he'll want to go back. Uh, you know, Taysom is a a good uh, guy. Uh, You can see he was able to win the games against bad teams, but is he good enough to win against the good teams? And then, of course, the other problem is going to be that the Saints are $100 million over the cap, and so uh, what kind of team are they going to be able to field this year? So I think that there's no question he's going to be on the team. Maybe he's going to be doing a little bit more uh, than he did when Breeze is healthy, but I still think right now the guy that they want to bring back to start is going to be Jameis Winston.
0: The league is more interesting when Bill Belichick has a really good team. Even if you don't like him, it's fun to hate him. How quickly can Belichick build a playoff team in New England?
13: Uh, Until he gets a quarterback, it's going to take some time. I mean, you you saw that they brought in Cam Newton. That only netted him six wins, and uh, Cam just wasn't good enough, at least uh, with all the problems he's had with injuries in the past, to be able to uh, do well and get this team back on top. But they have to totally rebuild the receiving core, tight end and they didn't do that last year i mean they'll be better because they had eight opt-outs that'll be at least available for them and that should keep the defense together but they've got to do a lot of work on that offense
3: so we all recognize aaron Rodgers as the nfl mvp as you said earlier and there's been commotion coming out of green bay about his future jordan love utah state kid waiting in the wings my thought is there's no way that Green Bay can let Aaron Rodgers get away. How about that situation?
13: Yeah, I think – they because they, uh, I like what uh, was said by T.J. Lang that uh, you know Rodgers is in, in the revenge mode for the organization. And by revenge, he's still bitter over two things. One, they traded up to get Jordan Love. And two, they didn't get him any extra receivers, tight ends, or any help on the offense. And what he's is all in on the idea is like, hey, I want to be – ending my career in the Packers and play maybe four or five more years. And now you bring in a quarterback and you figure, okay, I'm going to be out of here in another year or two. And that's not good. So I think what he's going to do is going to ask for a contract extension. And if that's going to be the case, they may have to consider trading Jordan Love. But you can see there's a bitterness there. But again, to the point where they trade him, they can't trade him. It's too much of a cap hit and he's too valuable. Hmm.
0: Well, John, we appreciate a few minutes and, uh, and a little Super Bowl talk. Thanks for uh, coming on and talking to NFL with us. Okay, thank you. John Clayton, Washington Post contributing NFL columnist and host on 710 ESPN in Seattle. When we come back, your feedback on today's show. That's coming up next. Stay with us.
3: And it's all over, almost here. Don't go nowhere. P.K., I'm just looking out for you and your credibility. You start dropping those old references, like I gave you crap about, then people are going to think you wear a navy blue shirt, khaki pants, and a weird hat and walk around with a goofy smile all day.
10: No tunes today, but I just wanted to say that Joe Engel's story truly is inspiring. He was taken off the trash heap, and any of us can take inspiration from what he's accomplished i just want to thank him and you guys for sharing that
0: Kay, with a serious take no music today what would the song be for that if k had done a song
8: today
3: i go from rags to riches (laughs) nice okay tony bennett
8: yeah say you raised me up by josh groban or something like that
3: oh well done I brought up Tony Bennett because he's in the news. His family announced he's suffering from Alzheimer's, and he's just – although he did put out a CD, another one, with uh, Lady Gaga. As you know, uh, what was it, uh, 2015 or something? They were on a world tour. My sister actually saw them, and and they were just brilliant two Italians from New York, and now Tony's 94 years old. You know his wife is like 50 years younger than him?
0: No, I didn't
3: know that. Well, maybe like 45. She's – she uh, was a fan of his growing up. But, uh, yeah, that's what I thought of Tony Bennett. And that's the opening scene, I think, from uh, Goodfellas. But, yeah, I do walk around. What was that? in a Gaga or a Gaga. I a khaki pants and uh, a blue shirt and some type of hat. I am a nerd when it comes to that. I'm not sure where he was going. But the Joe Engels story is, it, it, it's a great, great story. Yeah, and And the thing about it that makes it great, seven years later, There's no sense of entitlement because you see guys when they get going, they take advantage of it. Like Deshaun Watson. You know, if Deshaun Watson is a second teamer or whatnot, do you think he's running around, trade me, I want input and this and that? Well, he has leverage and he's using it. And you see that a lot of times. Well, Joe still, to an extent, act like he's a free agent trying to make the team.
0: I am curious uh, what they saw, what or things. Maybe it's more than one. I shouldn't assume it's one, but what things they saw that uh, tipped him off and made him take a chance. You know, his, his competitiveness, passing ability, shooting, his size. You know oh. how he how he played one night when they saw him in a game that was out of hand and I don't know what it was you know
3: at the time we heard that they needed a a babysitter for an 18 19 year old oh that was him?
0: absolutely oh he's Australian <laughs> and you yeah. know hey if this if this makes the 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 number five pick here uh more comfortable, great, you know
3: right and and, one and, of your own is going to be on the yeah. countrymen's going be on the team
0: yeah oh, I think he could be the fifth best wing player that's legit well he could be the fourth best. Boy, Dante's hurt a lot, but you know Joe's now the third bet. You know, he he just kept getting better. It's like his stock kept going up, and Exxon kept getting hurt.
3: Yeah, it's one of the more remarkable stories since I've been in the community, which is coming up uh, almost twenty eight years now, to see what Joe has carved out for himself and the connection that he's made for the community is really remarkable. You know, I've identified guys that I thought would be good guests to get on the show. But uh, when it's said and done, the Joe Ingalls connection might be my greatest work. <laughs> Bet you knew it was good, but you didn't know it was this good, right? and this long lasting with this yeah. much of a commitment that he has made that he has made not anything we've done yep. cuz we'll take them all he did it he did it on his own and he stayed true to his word of wanting to do it and fitting it in uh, today getting up at uh, getting tested at 7:30 and driving to the airport where they're taking off and still fitting in time to do the show because the next two game days are game days i'm i'm not sure how many people really really appreciate the uh, commitment to do it because so many folks would just say, I just don't have yeah. time for it. I'm a big-time NBA guy, this and that. They'll take me whenever they can get me, not today. But, no, he makes sure he stays true to his word. And I've actually talked to him about that off the air. And he looked at me and because I, I told him this. This is a couple of years ago. And he said, I told you I would do it and we'll do it. And once I said I was going to do it, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to do it.
0: Well, other people may take it for granted. You and I don't. We've been down this road before, and it didn't work as well, and now it's just working great. So
3: Yeah, there was a big-time player on this team who used to call me, hey, I want to come on your show. He would leave messages on my phone, on my answering machine. PK, let me, let's me let get this done. Well, We'd do it for like two or three weeks, and then that was it. <laughs> You're the one who wanted to do it in the first place. <laughs>
0: Well, I think Joe hit it on the head if you didn't hear us today, you can get it wherever you get uh wherever you get your podcast uh, iTunes Spotify wherever you want to go um but he said uh you asked him about the three point record and he said he's just he's basically just uh just babysitting that for Donovan he's holding on to that donovan's gonna Donovan's too young and shoots the three too well he's just gonna go screaming for sure yeah we,
3: unless he moves on but that, that really isn't the point. The point is the contribution that Joe has been able to make to the team, and to the community. thats That, to me, is the legacy that Joe Engels, and he was joking about his retirement speech. He's not done by any stretch, but he just set the record this past week. That's why we're reflecting upon it, and there's still much more to go. But the valuable contribution he's made on and off the court is where it's at when you think of Joe Engels. Joe Engels will be one of those guys at age 50 when he comes back to the States and sits in the – in the lower bowl and they put his face on the screen there. He's going to get a rousing ovation. Yep.
0: All right. Uh, other feedback, other stuff people have had to say about, uh, this show. <laughs> uh, we've got a huge Shasta trailer here, uh, <laughs> with a long running man, that John Clayton photo, that thing's got legs. Uh, how did uh, how did Jake Hatch come into the interview with Portugal the Man, a great song, mind you, and not Slayer?
8: I'm an idiot, as I admitted.
0: Maybe take him out with a little
3: Slayer. I'm guessing he'd love. Oh, it. Was that what, that John, was? That was the music on that
8: commercial. Yeah, was that this is the Sports Center commercial? I'm guessing John probably gets that a lot though. Yeah,
3: that was a nice parody. That was funny. I have to admit, well, it was yeah, hilarious. Did, yeah, we all got a laugh that. Of and that. they've done a lot of those with the ex-athletes. And in this case, obviously, he was a commentator. I don't know what happened. They just let him go? What was the story there? He was part of those cutdowns they had a couple of years back. Merrill Hodge was among that, a
8: guy that we probably should have on at some point again soon. That's too
3: good. I mean, that's too bad because yeah. those guys, uh, they, particularly they, John and what he did, was very, very good.
0: They've lost a lot of good talent with the uh, with the cut. They've had to let some really good people go. It's, and now uh, he's
8: with the Post, and he's also doing a show every day up there in Seattle.
0: Good gig. Well, he's been on the show before. Yes. I mean, if he were at ESPN, we wouldn't be able to get him on.
8: So, <laughs> it's
3: so is, is he it's on e, uh, Ian Furnessa's station or no? Uh,
8: it's 710 ESPN. That's one that Jake Heaps is on as well. I'm not sure. No, I Ian. think it's a competition. I think it's the uh, hey, KJ, KJR. 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 Yep, you're
3: yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, Heaps has a midday show there, doesn't he?
8: I think he's actually doing the Afternoon Drive now on 710. Afternoon
3: Drive? Jake yeah. Heaps? Way to go. He's yeah, also going to be on him. that
8: Ninja Warrior reality show for NBC just announced. How come somebody hasn't Jake brought back Jake
3: Yes.
0: How come somebody hasn't brought back American Gladiator? That show had great potential. That needs to come back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It needs to happen. Scotty, you'd watch American Gladiator if it were on again, new episodes.
14: Oh, yeah. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was like Saturday night. You'd go be- between that and Saturday Night Live. There you go. The <laughs> uh, the guy with the gun, you know, that would shoot like the Nerf balls at you. That was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're out of
0: time. Scotty hands coming up next. We'll talk to you.